I feel like this is not the opening bit we should have. <laughs> See, normally I would be okay with it. Also, do you want a wool? Do you want the sheep orb? Um, I'd love a sheep orb. Okay, I just want to make sure. Or shorb. Okay. Shorb, shorb, shit, that's perfect. Oh my god. See, there we go. This is the kind of opening bit we need. It's just shorb. Orb. I mean, I'm... Oh, shit, that's... Oh my god, now I want to show... Fuck, oh, it's not available! Son of a bitch! Why would you bait me like that? Fuck. I think that's, that's time queer baiting. I literally just said I've been queer baited by Nintendo of America. I'm actually... Here's the thing. I'm actually, I have an instance of being queer baited recently. Oh god, what happened? I was looking on the Target website, and they had <laughs> these dresses... <laughs> they have these dresses... Oh god, oh god, there's a hostile... They oh, have dude. these dresses called ballet dresses, which are just basically like simple dresses with like a decent like they're they're the kind of tank top dress where I'm like, okay, I can actually wear this without having to worry about my bra showing. Mm-hmm. And they had it, so when I clicked my size, it looked like the pink one was available, but when you click the pink one, it's completely sold out. Oh, <laughs> That is always like I'm just like listen, just automatically remove them. Like, don't get my fucking. Actually, up. a lot of the stuff that, and this is just because like they shot Legends a while ago. Yeah. Um, and the CW really does, and not just the CW, but like costuming really does trade around a lot of stuff because everyone's kind of just skinny. Oh yeah. Like I was looking at the pictures of Jess McCallan as um, a siren of FaceTime, and I'm like, it's kind of impressive that they got her in Maisie's outfit when Maisie is a few inches shorter than her. But I figure yeah. they just gave her taller boots. Yeah, I would assume. Agreed. Where I'm just like, wow, and and, and that's the thing is that's the that that's what they're more like accustomed to finagling with it's issues of height and not weight. Which is kind of annoying for a lot of reasons, but it's also like, yeah, they're more willing to be like, oh, you're a couple inches taller or shorter. Like, we can we can fix that easier than we can fix someone having a bigger bust or, like, wider hips or whatever. And it's just like... I mean, it's actually fascinating because if you look at Maisie's Vixen costume and when she wore that um, bustier for um, Doom World, they huh? did not take the boobs in. No, and not I'm, even a little bit. I'm like, Maisie is beautiful, um, but she has, like, a Kate Moss, like, 90s model body. And yeah. if you don't take the boobs and they just look kind of like poot- pouchy and weird. And I'm like, this is so disrespectful. Yeah, like, why would you do this to her? She's done fuck, literally carrying this entire goddamn show on her back and you disrespect her like this. Holy shit. This, the day of my cat's quinceanera. Um, <laughs> if I had to describe, I was actually talking with a friend, speaking of uh, cults, which we were speaking about and the part that you're not going to hear of this episode. Jesus. Yeah, okay. In the secret part. The secret of fourth episode of Sherlock. It's so fascinating to me that don't ever, please do not bring up the secret fourth episode of Sherlock. The only <laughs> thing that came from that is that Grace ebooks got publicly dragged. It was so fucking valid. I deserved that personally. I deserve that for being on Tumblr. It doesn't dole out justice correctly, but sometimes. Sometimes it is good. Honestly, that's kind of a disclaimer I feel like we should put on this podcast. Hey. Yeah, that's fair. Have you threatened Phil Clemmer's life recently? I know I have, allegedly. <laughs> Don't. Someone post sent me and asked, they're like, Phil hasn't written an episode this season. <laughs> 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 an episode, and they're like, why hasn't he? And I'm like, well, number one, because 
um, because Brandon made it so he wasn't allowed. No, I don't know if that's true. Honestly, the day that Brandon Routh finds out, I've been secretly blaming him for all of my personal problems. And when I say secretly, I mean publicly on social media. Constantly. <laughs> He's going to be very disappointed in well, me. We're in a lot of trouble when that, when, if and when that happens. He is going to give me a stern talking to. And then I'm going to say, so why do you keep playing Jewish characters and then denying that they're Jewish? <laughs> and then he's going to block me. Yeah. This opening bit has gone completely off the rails. I, I think I think it's understandable why. Yeah. yeah given, given the givens. I'm just <laughs> looking. I'm just a man looking for cigarette cards and a pirate hat. That's not um, I guess. Um, I mean, did we have? I didn't have a point to this. Oh, it's fine. Do we ever have a point to any of this, really? I was talking about the difference between how, listen, I don't, there are, gamer is a slur. We're all aware of this. Yes, okay. (laughs) Um, and a lot of gamers don't deserve rights. And there are definitely women that identify as female gamers. That's, Um, I I I hope they get help. I don't know what else to tell you. And again, I, and I want to say, find Christ. Um, <laughs> to Brandon Routh, find Christ. Um, I think he knows where he <laughs> is. He <laughs> seems like he knows. Yes, I was going to say, that's that the problem. The air about him. Watch him be like, Christ is in your heart, and then I have to hit him with a truck. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I need to go search Brandon Routh Jesus and see what pops up. You Don't like do that. Say, like, Don't do that. Don't do that, because I can tell you what's going to come up, and it's the most recent time that he compared Superman to Jesus. Stop. Oh, God. <laughs> this is this oh, true? I remember oh. that. And, like, listen, in fairness, when I, met, when I met my Iowan friends, I think we discussed this on the podcast, but just to remind people or to, meet, or to remind new listeners, I, I've met several Iowans, a lot of Iowans who actually grew up very close to where Brandon grew up. Um, and I'm the first Jewish person they've met, and they were all in their mid-twenties. Oh my god. I mean, maybe we should just be excited that Brandon doesn't publicly think that Jews are devil people. I mean, I guess you gotta set the bar higher is what I'm thinking. Allegedly, Brandon Routh does not publicly think that Jewish people are devil people. Yeah, we know. the episode. Oh, right, we are doing this is going well. I would I would are you having a good time? I'm having a good time. Um obviously there are um many things that are going on right now. Um I know that you as listener will be coming into me talking about this directly after we play our opening theme, which is an 8-bit rendition of Smash Mouth's All-Star. And so you can understand why we're a little um, hesitant hesitant to discuss such serious issues because we don't think this is a respectful place to do it but um, I will say like hey as a white person to other white people the number one thing you can do is just give money nobody needs the retweets nobody wants your hot takes you need to talk to the white people in your life and you need to donate. 
Sahara, do you want to give bail funds? Yeah, so right now, if you, when this gets posted, you'll have seen the news. There are obviously a lot of protests happening in Minneapolis, and unfortunately, a lot of those protesters are going to be arrested, and they won't be able to pay bail. So donating to the Minnesota Minneapolis bail funds is a really great way to actually show active support. And then as Rachel said, talk to the white people in your life. Other non-Black people of color listening to this episode, do the same thing. I donated. Everyone donate as much as you can because that is an active way to help people who are on the streets right now risking their lives protest. Um, and as non-Black individuals, I think that is our statement. Um, also, you have a personal responsibility, yes, you, to abolish uh, police and prison. And I don't care if you're American or non-American because... Uh, this shit happening this everywhere. Yes, this is not exclusive to so America. That means um, take, do not call the police. Just stop. If your neighbor's being loud, if you're having an issue, you need to learn to get in touch with your community, to reach out to people, and to not ever, don't ever call the police. Not for noise, not for, do not call them. Do not support them. Police also don't have a legal obligation to protect you over private property. I just want to throw that out there. The courts have ruled in their favor that they're not obligated to protect citizens. So, like, I'll fucking call the cops. I don't know what to tell you. Um, okay. You are white, call out your white family. There you go. And friends. There you go. That's it. Back to uh, Dong podcast. Yeah, this is really a Ding Dong podcast. Jesus it's Christ. Really a- and I mean, again, I'm pretty sure at this point, if you follow me you, and or Rachel, like, or Sahara, like, you're pretty aware. Yeah, of this is not the first time that we have been virulently anti-police yeah. on this podcast. But I also want you to keep in mind that, you know, while this is in the public eye right now, um, when you listen to what Black people are saying, what activists are saying, this never goes away. It is an active everyday experience. And please be cognizant of that. Um, Danzition. So, Rachel, check the chat. Uh, should I not have said Danzition? Oh, I typed something. I I don't have a stuffle. Okay. Okay, so, that being said, uh, we're gonna do this our way. Hope it sparks joy. Um, this was the 14th episode of the fifth season of Legends of Tomorrow, and we're titling it one of the we're titling it based on the only good joke I think I've ever had in my life. And that is Uptown Girl Abby. So good. <laughs> oh, which reminds me, somebody asked if we're going to do a full We Didn't Start the Fire for the finale. Oh, God. Oh, no. God. I, I, um, sh- I, I, I do want to. I do think we should definitely do like a... I, I said, I said, I'm not a songwriter, but I think we can force Ari to do it. So I'm glad. Yeah, I, I was actually going to say, I'm like, I feel like we should probably not do this as a, like, this should, this should be, if I, if I do it, um, this is probably going to be something I want to run by you guys just to be like, Hey, does this sound like makes sense in any way, shape or form? Can um, we contact Nick Zano or do you think he's going to be mad about, at me about the Brandon stuff? Like, I, I like to hope not. Also want to mention, I sent my friend Connor, that um, photo of someone who just has a purse full of pasta, and I said, me going to see Nick Zano at a convention. Oh Instead of sending back bada bing, bada boom, she sent back bada bing, bada boob with a B. Oof. And that resonated with me personally. 
yeah oof that 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 one that one that one's something i want to see on like a shirt that like like tacky fucking like you you know you got to have this in a really specific kind of font is what i mean i God. feel like they should sell it in little italy right under fuck you you fucking fuck yeah which is like a shirt i'm like that might as well be the national flag at this point you know shirt faded by time <laughs> yeah but not diminished not 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 diminished in its glory um and this episode focuses on the fact that so i know that it's technically i believe we're calling it loom world because we have given up trying to pretend that this is not just a doom world parody yeah um, and that being said um sahar did you watch season two of legends um youtube okay well good for I you <laughs> Let me tell you something. You didn't miss anything. Oh, you missed nope, that's why I watched a view YouTube. <laughs> you missed absolutely nothing. Okay, so you run your horse into one guy and suddenly everyone's shooting at you. Ugh. Disrespect that you face. Um the So season two was messy. Messy, messy. And we actually this is so interesting that they decided to because okay so let's consider doom world a trilogy and let's consider loom world a trilogy as they said nice. um first things first i don't think Maisie is leaving because she was one the press releases are never indicative of whether or not Maisie is actually there um two Maisie was listed by CBR when they talked to Mark Guggenheim and they were like, Legends is already doing season six. And they talked about storyboarding season six. And then they said, here's the cast. They listed Maisie, but not Olivia, which is very disappointing, but make what seems like. Might also be Olivia's not going to be a main. I, I could see Olivia because Shayhan wasn't mentioned either. And we know he's coming back. So that could just be recurring. Yes. Oh, fuck. I did not. Okay. Now I'm in trouble for trespassing. I'm okay. just trying to find these fucking cigarette cards. You're having a day in Red Dead, huh? Yeah, truly. People just don't want me invading their homes, taking their cigarette cards. Um, Why are they collecting cigarette cards? Exactly. Big fucking exactly. Okay, so I've decided as so not to lower my honor level. Now I just tie people up and then I go into their house and I take their cigarette card and anything else that might be convenient. <laughs> This game is so funny. Yeah, and then I and then I untie them and I run away. As you do. They'll come back eventually, probably. This is a nice house. Anyway. This place we got here. (laughs) So we have our Doom World trilogy, which is the team decides all of a sudden that they don't trust Mick. Um and they because of that, essentially cause him to go back to Len, who, like, did not seem like Leonard at all, who was definitely, like, Legion-controlled Len or something. There was something off about him. Where it's, like, like, people will be, like, yeah, Len was... I'm, like, no, Len was never, like, an abusive person to Mick. That was the only time. It was the only time, and it was so out of character and in such a weird context, I refused to accept it as canon. Um, and I think it's fascinating, listen, not to mix in or Marley on Maine, but I'm about to, so buckle in. Yeah, I expect Oh, fuck, one of them got loose. Okay, well, it's okay, I have a card. talking about Mixon. Okay, so we're talking about Mixon. Um, Mick tells Amaya to come with him, and she says no. 
And because of that, um, she gets sort of stuck in Doomworld with the rest of them. This was different. Charlie um, is, has the implicit trust of the team, which was very powerful. But then she sort of does, instead of Doomworld, where essentially they kept them around to make fun of them, she does the opposite, which is try to make them happy. Um, and hope that they don't figure things out. Now, of course, Zari 1.0 escapes from the totem and is like, this doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> that doesn't pass my smell check. Um, <laughs> Just the favorite ask I, I got was a person talking about how Zari immediately covered, she immediately put the flannel on because she's like, oh my God, the girls are out. No wonder nobody's been able to do anything correctly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's Just like, I bet none of you have known what you were doing. Oh, I stabbed him. I bet none of oh. you have known what you were doing this season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, I was wondering, Sahara, because that was a very interesting scene to me when Zari looks at herself in the mirror and is like, oh, I can't wear that. Did you see that as like a modesty thing or just as a like, this is not my style? Um, I feel like a little bit of both because I've definitely been percolating ideas about how Zari 1 and Zari 2 interact with the religion. And I've talked about it on this podcast and just in general to you too, where Zari 1 could never have publicly practiced her faith. And like the whole joke about her wearing meds clothing and like being a geek from Zari 2 is indicative of the way that she would dress. So there were obviously episodes where she got to wear dresses and she wore like Thing that Zari too would have worn on purpose. I think it's very much also in that situation a protective measure. Where I'm in Zari too's body, I don't know what's happening, no one knows me, and I also feel uncomfortable in clothes I would never have worn. I think it's a little bit of everything. Thank you. That was actually something that I did that, yeah, I wanted to discuss. So that was really well put. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Um, so I just think it's fascinating that essentially Charlie is the Mick in this situation because they actually, they treat her and Mick a little differently. Um, with Mick, even when he was, even when he like sort of got them all back to normal, they still didn't like trust him. And mm. at the end of this episode, I don't think they don't trust Charlie. I think they need Charlie to trust Charlie. And that was sort of the ultimate thing is they needed Mick to trust Mick, but they didn't trust him to get there on his own. Um, another thing about why I don't think Maisie is leaving is because like, so just because the, it's the, I think it's called Swan Thong, probably because um, they really, they want to, they want to, they're so proud about the fact that they got Cisco, the fact that they've kept that hidden for months now is honestly a fucking miracle. Yeah, truly. It's everything I ever wanted, mind you, but, like... Ow. And especially because none of the other titles seem to relate to, like, Last Dance or anything like that, a lot of them actually seem to allude to, like, destroying the loom or, like, Charlie coming into herself or the legends helping Charlie come into herself. And, like, Charlie is an OC. She doesn't actually need to leave there's no wrap-up for her yeah, there's I mean, no reason she needs to be on another show or whatever but you know i i do i do keep my expectations low because this is the cw and i'm expect i'm expecting to be disappointed but nothing pisses me off because here's why well first of all i'm the hi 
I, you may remember the last time we opened, we, we hosted our show within a show called the Dumbest Bitch Alive Show. Hi, I'm Rachel, and I'm the dumbest bitch alive. Because when I saw that press release and didn't see that Maisie was on it, I emotionally overreacted because I'm a woman. And Rachel panicked a little bit. It's it's it it was it was a lot. I I might have started, and just like that one time at NYU, where I thought I smelled gas, and the entire class started smelling gas and acting like they got sick. So we got out of class early because even the professor was feeling it. I may have accidentally started a small panic. Honestly, I'm proud of I'm proud of you for that though, because that's nothing if not impressive. Um, and I mean, the here's the thing: it was well founded panic because of the way that the show has treated its people of color, especially exactly. Its- that's the thing, and so nothing has frustrated me more than people being like, "Well, I understand why Charlie's story could be done when she hasn't really had anything that's felt like a goodbye arc." Yeah. To me, especially I even mean, compared to like episode fucking goodbye, like it's like no, we don't and get to this. Like, it's me absolutely furious about being like, oh my god, Courtney's back in the finale. Is Brandon gonna be here? Oh my god! And then just being like, but Charlie, I don't want her to leave, but her story might be over, and they need to make room for new. It's just like from the same. I'm like, hi, I can't. And like, either you're stupid or you think I'm stupid, and I'm not sure which one's worse. This is one of those things where I'm also just like, I don't like, you know, I, I'll, as someone who also really liked Nora and thought like, I'm like, well, she also kind of got shuffled out very, very quickly. I'm still like, hey, you know what? Like this show has never been good about like, I would like the show to stop switching out characters constantly. Actually, it gets kind of a lot of us would. And I think switching out Maisie and Olivia, I don't know, and then casting, I don't know if that's a look this show could handle. And also, everyone loves Maisie so much, but again, expecting to be let down. I expect nothing so that I am not let down, but it just doesn't feel correct to me. Like, we knew Franz was leaving well before he left. Remember? Yes. It's that thing um, where it's just like, this is just not maybe, how do I I've always known that a person is leaving before they, like, leave. But what really pisses me off is just exactly as I said, which is that this show has a fucking revolving door for characters of color. And nobody gives a shit. Um, okay, so I've posted about this on Tumblr, and I said, if you're just going to be racist about it, don't say anything. Just stay at Brandon's ass where it's safe. And then uh, I deleted that last part, not because I don't think it's funny or that it fucking slaps, but I'm like, that might be too hardcore for a few people. But listen, Brandon is really tall. I'm sure there's room. I need to leave him. You know what? I'm mad about this thing with Charlie that people think she's leaving and they're being so flippant on it. And so I'm taking it out on him. And if he's an ally, he will be okay with that. Like, listen, he can he can handle a little bit of fucking bullying. He's eight feet tall. Like, he's fine. It truly is. Every week we say some kind of variance of like, Brandon is a fucking giant person. He can handle critique. <laughs> I, you know, I think, I think we, I think I, has he not earned a little bit of the critique? Well, because here's the thing. I'm like, this show, I mean, like, here's the thing. This show, when Maisie stays, that's great. And it's going to be great. But that doesn't erase the fact that, like, for example, they just killed off Bayrod in a show that had not had a man of color for a full season. Bayrod and Charlie are the only um, 
Bearbot and Charlie and that one time Jack flirted with Kendra are the only two non-white characters in ships together, like canon. Every other ship is a character of color and a white person, and that is because the majority of the cast is white. And I, I don't even, we'll talk about this another time, I don't even have time to fucking discuss how much they, like, sanitized Jax and, like, didn't let him have any relationships and, like, made sure everything with Sarah was super hunky-dory and familial. I don't, I don't have the emotional bandwidth. It's, it's been a long, long couple days. I think that's more than fair. But nobody, I mean, and that's why we say, like, I'm glad to see that the writers care about Maisie so much that does and like oh my god I am so pleasantly like this is a double-sided there's two sides to this because on the one end I'm like fans are being extremely flippant about this Maisie's not going anywhere like and nobody wants her to go it's not like they're like oh I want it's just that they're being they're doing it for the like oh no so sad kind of attention um and like that to me is so because i'm like if you're just gonna be racist about it then don't bother keep posting about brandon is ever coming back it's truly just like i mean know i'm just at the point where i'm like hey guys um let's not maybe like it's like it's still pretty bad to write her off before they've said anything or even hinted at her like you like you can't this is such a quit acting like i'm dead thing like she's not like nothing has been said or implied that she's going anywhere yeah exactly like small you're going on a basis a baseless rumor that i myself the dumbest bitch alive personally started that's what makes me so upset is i'm like fuck i did this I mean, first, I, congrats on the power, but it is I also... I like, like to be a big-name fan. Horrible. Now, I mean, here's the thing. Is that person who messages me um, and tells me that they flag my stuff every day, doing God's work, blows a kiss to the stars. Yes. Um, today told me that they haven't flagged anything today. And I'm like, am I a joke to you? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> if I... You know what? I was going to say if I was a big name fan, then da da da, but I'm pretty sure what I would list has already happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't, I don't want to feel like that anymore. Oh, it's not all it's cracked up to be for sure. And I'm like, you don't get to be upset about this if you're just doing it because you want the fandom attention, because you actually have to care. Like, when Maisie stays, that's great, but that doesn't erase the problem. <laughs> and this is still something, even if she stays, even if they keep Charlie, yeah, don't keep Charlie. It's still a thing we have to reckon with where it's like, hi, I'm tired of her having being asked to play 18 different characters because she's not allowed yeah. to. I mean, I, again, see it as, I'm thinking we might get Charlie doing some kind of concert at the end, which would be really nice, but I don't see her going anywhere. That's my take. I know people are anxious about it, so whatever happens, we have no control over it. That's the bottom line. I'm still going to have feelings about it, but there's nothing I can or cannot do. One way or another, this will sort itself out. Um, that being said, we have... Um, this episode where 
what I was saying is it's twofold because yeah, people don't want her to leave, but they're trying to get that like sad. I mean, people will say anything so long as it's quote unquote sad. Yeah. For like the notes. Clout. Um, where I'm like, that makes no fucking sense about the character, but okay. And I'm like, and I'm like, and I love like weird sad shit, but at least I develop it in a way that makes I'm like, there's always a reason to be sad. Oh yeah. What you you guys haven't had chronic depression since you were like preteen? Sucks. I was oh my god. So okay, wait, no. I'm gonna finish this topic first. This is a first okay. for me. I want everybody here to experience it. Savor right, it. I'm so proud of you for sticking to script. Go for it. People don't want Charlie to go. Everybody loves her. CBR listed her. Every single outlet I have read this week. Um, and these are outlets that I think we have made very clear are like run by like men in entertainment and talk about capes media in a way for men um, and are not usually very sympathetic and are not usually sympathetic to black women. Like Charlie's not a woman, but Maisie is. Yeah. And so the fact that all I have seen for Charlie is like, you know, um, this is a trilogy for her and for the fucking AV club who I don't even think has ever met a woman to say she needed more screen time. I want to see how she got to this place. She's been doing some of the best acting. Like they're like, Maisie always acts her ass off. This is one of the best that we, this is some of the best acting we've ever seen from her. Where is the story? Where I'm like, yeah, where is the story? Yeah, Phil, where is the fucking story? Like, Phil, where the fuck did the story go? Hey, Phil. Hey, Phil, um, I even put out the chest for the two sides of it. Is that like this is something for Charlie? Like a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people are talking about like all the fun stuff that they did with this episode, and I did enjoy part. I did actually enjoy it, but I completely understand that frustration that I was surprised to see voiced by a lot of people, which is where the fuck is Charlie? This is her shit. Yeah, this is literally supposed to be about her. And I mean, on one level, I'm like, she got an absolutely fucking bitching outfit. Like, I just, I mean, I want, and this is not defending the writing choices. This is just me saying, like, it's easily, you know what she looks like? She looks like the way that they cast, um, Wrinkle in Time lady, the witch triad. She looks actually very, she actually looks when she's still wearing, like, the coat. I think she was wearing, like, a suit under it. I don't really, which is supposed to be a huge indicator of the problem. But when she's wearing the coat, she literally looks like she could be like Leia or Padme. Like she, yeah, she looks like they robbed Maisie of her proper due in Star Wars is completely unsurprising given what happened. But like so disappointing. But yeah, it did. It was very. If the team could just see what Maisie is wearing, they'd understand. Yes. It did. It, it, has it, now been put in the position of. realize it was a suit? Which is interesting. Like, I just saw that. I was just like, oh, shit, that's a gorgeous, like, hairstyle and coat. But, yeah, the fact that she was wearing a suit is like, oh, yeah, we okay. also have to keep in mind, so in Doom World, um, Mick is, like, Mick actually goes along with it for a little bit, um, but is very clearly unhappy. Yes. In Loom World, um, Charlie is clearly miserable about it, but is also fucking terrified. Yes. And knowing that... Maisie and Dominic have such a fun relationship. She's like one of the only people online she responds to. <laughs> and I think it's so that she he can remember. <laughs> everything is 
Everyone has a weakness. Everyone. <laughs> Some things are inescapable. And so just like, oh my God, the absolute power of it. We have the same, like, we're going to start at the end. We're going to, um, Tolstoy, just, just as we spoke about how Legends of Tomorrow is just like Tolstoy before. <laughs> I actually have to do it again because I spent the entire episode mispronouncing Anna Karenina. Goodness. I feel like a fucking moron. <laughs> I didn't even, because I, I've always, I don't know how I, because I, I always say Anna Karenina, like, I thought that was how you're supposed to, like. No, that's I, correct. I was saying Anna Karenina. Well, I just assumed that was like you were putting like a funny little spin on it, or I would have said something. I was like, well, I thought you were being sexy with it. In a way, I was. <laughs> I was just oh like, listen, I, I was also like, well, maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong and I'm the dumbass because you know I don't like remember how to pronounce like things. So, you know, this a lot of mistakes were made clearly, but it's fine. It's, it's, it's only Russian literature. Who cares? That's true. Um, we're going to start at the end. At the end of the episode, which kind of shocked me emotionally when I first saw it and then realized it shocked me emotionally because I've, like, been in that situation. Not so much with friends, but definitely with my therapist, where it's a very hard thing to hear. Um, I think Rachel process the end of this episode has honestly been a journey of its own. And I don't mean that, like, a, I'm laughing at you way. I just, like, I, I get it. Because I watch it after everyone else does, so I've already processed it by reading everyone's recaps. Like you were processing it while it was happening, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" You know what? Here's me going. I completely overreacted to the Maisie thing. I shouldn't have posted anything about it. She's fine. And then immediately, like, just fucking. You can literally watch me from 10 p.m. to 10:13 go through every emotion known to humankind. That was pretty impressive. (laughs) So basically, in Doom World. Um, they say, Mick, we don't trust you. They go to fight the Legion. They're totally outmatched. And Mick shows up at the last minute, attempts to save the day. And um, Len, in a heritage moment of gay jealousy, uh, kills Amaya. And because he has killed Amaya, everyone is like, we have to go back in time and fix this. Um, And the episode ends with everybody in Nate's basement... Um, and Mick is like so angry and I'm all I can think of is you used her and you got her killed. Which um which will which I'll reflect on her and you got killed. Which is going to come back into play in just a second. So so keep listening, sports fans. When Charlie does it, the team again sort of has this grouping, but Again, Maisie's character is not there. In Doom World, it's because she's dead. In Loom World, it's because they don't even not trust her like they did with Mick. Like, they didn't tell her, oh, don't come help us, or, like, you have to stay here because you're the one who betrayed us in the first place. They're literally just like, hey, this is not what we expected you to do. Not mad. The sort of difference in that and kind of wondering how that's going to go because sort of the crux of Doom World, it really should have been. The crux of Doom World is that Sarah doesn't trust herself to use the Spear of Destiny because she doesn't think she's, you know, good enough or good of heart enough. And she gives it to Amaya, who honestly should have been the one to use it, but that's neither here nor there. Yes. (laughs) There's a lot of things where I'm like, no, Amaya should have done that. But it's, no, you were right. 
And Sarah uses it to make the Sphere of Destiny completely unusable. Um, and to give herself a, you know, um, and Nate's like, oh, so we're just doing that? And you didn't give, uh, that is so unfair, unjust. I want my lawyer. It's probably in action, your honor. So honestly, I don't, here's the thing is like when I said, nope, nope, staying on topic. That's okay. No, I can't remember what the topic was going off topic. When I was thinking about how this episode was about being trapped in a team. Right. I think this is going to be about how Charlie doesn't trust herself. I mean, again, I don't think the title really means a lot because Legends titles don't actually spell out what's going to happen in the episode. Remember how we were so excited for the Great British Fake Off and then it had nothing to do with anything and we were like, fuck you for dating us. Because Great British Break Off is gay. It belongs to the gays, and I was queer. <laughs> sorry. I thought we were gonna have food for sorry, and instead it was just them being in the freaking it's fine. It's fine. It's what it's, we it's how we learn a lesson. <laughs> I will say though, looking at all the titles they listed for the episodes, Are You There God? It's me, Charlie. <laughs> in a place in my heart, because like Are You There God? It's me, Margaret, is like one of those coming of age books I read. At the age where you, if you read it, it'll stick with you. Um, did anybody else read it? I actually didn't, which is funny because I read a lot. I can remember how it ends and I think it ends with her. Oh my God, I do remember. This entire time she's felt really bad because she hasn't gotten her period. And all of her friends have and she feels like they're maturing more than she has. And at the end of the book, she gets her period and she feels like she's actually finally like becoming the person she wants. It's very weird, but it's like this big cathartic moment for her yes. where I'm like, I don't want Charlie to get her period, but I guess oh, I understand what you're going for. That's I mean, kind of one we of want Charlie to be able to stick up to her sisters. And, you know, I guess the thing is, and like even Doom World, which sucked ass, had Mick make the right decision at the last moment, even after they did all that shitty, like, we we never trusted you. Mick? That's, I've never heard of Mick. Yes. Um, so hold on, because that's like the thing where I'm like, I just, knowing that that's what happens, one, I'm kind of glad I didn't read it now, because that probably would have been one of those weird things, like, later in life, where I was like, oh yeah, that was just like one of those, you don't remember most of your, like, age of 11 to 18, because pretty trauma, but like, it's kind of weird for that. If that's the crux of the book, especially since Charlie is a non-binary character, to like, I, I, I understand it's supposed to be a jokey title, but that's the only thing I really remember. I didn't know the context of it, but only thing I remembered is that the book got banned in some places because it talked about like getting periods, and um, I guess they're just trying to imply that like Charlie is like godlike in power. Maybe I guess. I think um, it's both. It's not even just that Charlie is godlike. It's that she's coming of age. Yeah, which is just like a weird, I guess I get what they were. But again, Legends titles don't actually mean anything. No, but it's that thing where it's just like, if if that's what you were going for, is that like Charlie's coming into her own, it's kind of weird to have it, like, given one, that she's not like a a cis woman, and two, that like, not like a teenager, like Maisie's an adult Charlie. I've never seen Charlie as anything other than an adult character, except for like that one moment. It's like... (gasps) 
that you could, I John Cornell would have absolutely let you guys borrow off the wolves as a title. I don't. I doubt I he's going to swear to God that. And that John Cornell is so chill. Honestly, we probably could have gotten him. Not that we yeah. deserve him, but we could have. No, we him. don't. But it's like that was the, the the vibe of this whole episode. It's like if we just an edit of the last ten minutes of the episode, but like up the wolves is playing in the other room. Um, I think that would kind of give you... Did I not show you that I did an edit of the last, like, minute of the episode before this one to Up the Wolves? No! Fuck! Oh my god, he's... My bad. I'll send that to you. Yeah! I mean, that's really... So we know that next week is Charlie's big coming of age. She's gonna defeat her sisters. Um, but the difference between the sadness they sort of have in Doomworld versus... Charlie is absolutely distraught. Um, but the legends almost, I mean, nobody actually remembers Doomworld happening because they erased it from history. My God, we did it. You know, why fucking, who fucking cares? It's so fucking bad. And what they did was so awful that they literally just. I'm so sorry. Sahara, did you have a question? I was going to say, do they remember? And we just don't see it. No, they erased themselves. Even the Sarah, everybody who was in Doomworld, like their Doomworld selves all got murdered. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, you're right. My bad. I was thinking, the way that the Legends and Flash do timeline things, it's really confusing, so it's hard to know what actually sticks. <laughs> That's very fair. That's more than fair. Remember when Mirror Iris got mad at Barry and everyone was like, she has a point, though. <laughs> Ooh, she's not wrong, though. Um... So, when I first saw the scene, the legends essentially tell Charlie, they literally give her, we're not mad, we're disappointed. Which, um, everybody jokes about, I mean, it is such an interesting scene, because when you watch it, everybody interacts with her in a way that is so personal to the relationship with her. Where, like, Nate doesn't really say anything, he's kind of letting everybody else say stuff, but you can tell that he doesn't really have strong feelings about it, he's not really that mad. Nate has never had strong feelings about anything. Nate has one strong feeling, and that feeling is horny. Horny for love. Horny, romantic, sad? Mark. <laughs> and so everybody is sort of like, come on, like, I can't believe you did this, but they're also sort of like, I can't believe you gave up, not on us, but on yourself. Right, exactly. And it's a scene that you have to watch considering that it's almost like they're, are you there, Charlie? It's us legends actually makes sense in the idea that like, they're kind of talking to Charlie for herself. They're Mm -hmm. saying things that she's too afraid to say to herself. Yes. Because, you know, she knows the answer. And so Sarah and Ava are both giving her very mom things where Sarah's like, listen, if they kill us, they kill us. We'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, and she says, my sisters are going to kill you. Astra actually agrees with her. And that's because, um, Lachesis also abused the fuck out of Astra. Are we going to address that? Are Charlie and Astra going to get to bond over that in season six? Probably fucking not. I hate being alive. I hate being alive every day. Astra says, like, she's right. They'll kill us. And I was giving it for Charlie's face. So I got the frame right after which is John making a face as Astra says that. And it's just this face that says to me, hey, this sounds like the kind of dumb shit I would do. Yeah, she respects that. 
where he's like, well, we're going and there's nothing like where he and Zari are both like, well, we're going and there's nothing you can do about it. Because they're the characters that like kind of get her and know how to get under her skin the best. Mm -hmm. It's almost like they when I first saw it, I it's very easy to mistake that kind of attitude of like, listen, you have to take this last step for yourself especially when you're so used to people reacting in anger, mm -hmm. it's hard to interpret it as anything else. But it is sort of a show of their intentions, which is like, we can't do this. Like, if we could do this for you, we would, but we clearly can't. It's like, it's awful, but it's the thing where sometimes you have to put that hard... Hey, you're 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 doing some bad shit right now, so we're cutting you. Like we're we're gonna walk away because we're hoping that it's gonna wake you up if we do. The thing. It's like a come to know. Jesus talk. You just you know you gotta tell your friend who's not listening that it's up to them, and if they don't figure it out, there's nothing you can do about it. And they're not mad at her; they're just mad they're all stuck in the situation. Exactly. And so I'm really excited for whatever Charlie's big moment is going to be in the upcoming episode. I'm hoping she saves everybody with the power of rock and roll. That kind it's of seems like that That's kind of where I think we're going, and I have to hope. That would be dope as fuck. Now, I know the game didn't want me to ride through the swamp, but it was a very short ride, and I only encountered, like, three alligators. So really... Only three. Why would they put cigarette cards in occupied homes? That's the real question. Because now it just makes me look bad. Like, come on. Why? Why? I don't, like, listen. Maybe, like, stop trying to make me feel bad for violence when you only give me violence as a solution to solve my problems. Um, so, which way is west? Patrick, that says west. <laughs> oh, wait, sorry. I think I've accidentally stumbled upon a man who is, like, mentally ill or something. Because he's like, people don't usually want to be my friend. Are you hungry? I have food. Oh, God. All right. You, if well, you, if you well, have... listen, I, I think he's actually, life, I'm going to be so mad. I think he's crazy. You know, might as well, might as well see this one through. Um, so, Charlie. So, Charlie is now in this situation where, you know, everybody's pointed out she's kind of, and this is so familiar if you have like a bad family or a bad home life, has essentially tried to shield the legends from her family until she couldn't. And then reacted in a way that was based on her trauma, but not the best decision she could have made for herself. It's not even about the legends. And, and that was yeah. what was so impactful to me. I mean, just thinking about the fact that Amaya died and Mick was so upset about that. And then okay. the fact that what he says to Charlie is like, he's not mad at her at all. He's literally just like, I have to go find Lita. Oh, he gets it where he's like, you're clearly going to have to, he's like, I can't help you through this. Nick is not that kind of person where he's really good at helping other people through it even if he's been through it because he just doesn't but he'll absolutely be there 100 percent when she comes around and he's not gonna hold it against her in any way shape or form he's just gonna be the one to keep leaving that door like if, if she's gonna walk out a thousand times he's gonna leave the door open a thousand and one kind of thing that was beautiful. Uh, now i'm being tortured in this man's home Dude. It is it's a thing where it's like clearly i'm like i've been giving you space to kind of a conversation with this 
think this episode specifically because it like really I could tell like even when we were doing our post episode call that it like really upset you um in a way that like is in like not interesting in, like a scientific but like that thing where it's like my perspective as someone who's kind of still you know living in like a less than great situation and you know the the hard thing about doing that is like and this is just the real like the really shitty part is like you don't you don't get the luxury of making good decisions. It's, it's, what's that quote? Like it's, it's hard to teach starving people democracy kind of thing. Like obviously Mm -hmm. on a slightly, on a slightly more like um, micro scale, but that idea of like, you don't get the luxury of good decisions in a bad environment. I think it's the best way to boil that one down. And it's like, this bad environment is not Charlie's making. It's not her choice. It's not something she is responsible for did her best to make a good situation for the legends but like it can't be a good situation in a bad environment like it's just that impossible they, they is can't a perfect way to put it yeah she's so she's done the whole thing like, out of fear yeah and it's like i can't it's that i don't want to like it's a thing where it's like i i don't i don't think the show is going to hold her accountable for it because you know this is just not that kind of show and i think they've been doing such a consistent clear like this is them sort of looking back at doom world and going okay how do we do this better really and i i don't i think these writers are as much as we give them a lot of shit smart enough to notice like hey one of the big problems is that they didn't trust like their character who was being abused and undergoing a lot of turmoil or has been abused and was undergoing a lot of turmoil and charlie fits that bill now where mick um or mick did in season two and you know i didn't it's also, I was, I was admittedly, uh, full, full disclosure. Um, I was on a call while I was watching it. I was watching it with, um, partner. So I was like, like talking, I was trying to, they've never seen the episode. So I'm just like trying to fucking mm-hmm. explain everything. I, I wish it was, it was just Wait, the thing. The hair, the hair make kissy noises with me. Oh, kissy, okay. Kissy, I was smooth, like, so smooth. I didn't have the sound on. I didn't have so much noises. <laughs> I, this is, <laughs> I like I was on call with them already and I didn't want to hang up because I had a really long day at work and I didn't get to so I was just like yes but I didn't want to watch so I was like whatever I'll try to my best to explain the show to you obviously it didn't go very well because I got hung up on explaining the son of Sam thing like it was (laughs) that thing is going to be with us forever sometimes you get sometimes sometimes you get a gift is the funniest thing it's so so good um it is but like so i was watching it without the sound on so i don't know if what they were like verbally because i only have the captions to base off of well i don't know if maybe what they were verbally telling charlie made it sound harsher than it was but nothing what i was reading made them sound anything less than like sympathetic like they were clearly sad for her but knew that they couldn't stick around to fight her on it because it wouldn't like it wouldn't work because if they stayed around to fight her about it she would just use that bought time to put them back in the tv world like they just had to go and she wasn't going to stop them and she wasn't going to try to fight them and she, like she herself was really scared so it's like they just kind of had to make the best decision for everyone involved and the thing that sucked was like that was like hey we have to walk away and I didn't see any of them holding grudges about it. Um, I also, it's like, it's hard because it's a thing where it's like, this is a situation that makes me sad to see happening to a character 
any character, but like especially Charlie, um, because Maisie puts like she puts so much humanity in Charlie at all times, but like especially like right now, like mm-hmm. really, really feel it because this is somebody who you suddenly see has a lot of power, is losing control of themselves very, very quickly. And that is just a really fascinating opportunity to look at and analyze a character. Um, but I don't, I truly, and especially because Phil like went on the record a couple days later to be like, yeah, our show's not really interested in like philosophy or free will or any of that shit. We're just going to like, friendship and whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I appreciate you just coming out of the fucking gate and saying it like we, we knew, but like, thanks. Well, I think it's fascinating that they said that, like, you know, the fates ended up being the big bad, not actually Astra, which I was like, yeah, obviously. One, obviously, but that's interesting because it's like, I don't, I do think that this show is very, this show has only been, this show has only not redeemed, like, three villains and one of them was a rapist, the other killed. No, remember Ray and Vandal Savage hung out in hell, he's cool now. Oh, I'd, I'd, I'd shoved that one out of my memory. Okay, so let's just... Yeah, well, so for- what I meant was they love this twist of, like, actually, because they sort of did it with Mick, too. Um, I can't remember them doing it in season three. Season three was actually fine. Um, but they love this little twist of, like, actually, one of our characters is the big bad, but not in a way that they're really, like, culpable for, like, how Ray, like, they made it a big twist that, like, yeah, Ray's kind of the villain, but it's clearly Neron. Yeah, like there's no and they don't hold it in, like no one the next episode is like god ray i guess we can't trust you because you got possessed by a demon after homoerotically exchanging your soul on nate's behalf like what the fuck um hey but that fellas, is-, is it gay <laughs> wait wait quick sidebar quick sidebar okay. are we gonna okay. talk about the fact that ray and nora didn't give up their souls for each other they gave up their souls for nate and mona respectively so why the fuck were the two of them getting married cowardice really the cowardice uh, one day you will face god and he will not be as kind one day it is so like it is truly because yeah when you point out like that i also just meant in terms of like the, the the villains tend to be they tend to they tend to do the shonen anime thing where they go okay we beat the shit out of you you're our best friend now like it just happens it's just a thing oh, john literally said to Astra, as soon as you stop trying to kill them, they're your best friend. Yeah, which yeah. again is actually a, like so. I genuinely love the hell out of that trope. Um, I am. I a actually huge fan. thought it was so interesting that Ray wasn't there. I mean, I'm not sure how. Like, of course, you could fit. You Did could fit talk, anyone I don't in. If we talked about this on the podcast or just to each other, but how I like now that it is a little. It's almost a little more organic. Yes, we did about how okay. there's more than one heart. Yes, I couldn't um, remember. The one thing I was actually thinking about is that. Ray has a definite soft spot for Charlie, like for obvious reasons that she, um, and that's why she has such a big crush on him. But like, listen, you can fit any character into any plot. That's just the bottom line. Like, let's not talk about characters having plots wrapped up when Sarah and Ava could retire together at any point. So let's not pretend that any character needs to have a plot that's done. Just saying. That's not a thing, especially on a really character driven show. Um, but for Ray to have been there, Ray would not have made that step that I think needs to have been made. 
that just would not have been in character for him. Like he would oh, not. I think he would Ray, Ray might have been like Ray might have been if we'd had you know how like Amaya didn't go with Mick it would have been Ray yeah. like agreeing to stay in the TV world or something like that. Really. Um, he's not that he, he just can't put his foot down that hard, but like, I do really. And I think that was something where it's clearly like something the writers, and I think it's a good thing where I'm like, it's good that these writers are, are, are able to recognize even like bad quote unquote characters, like humanity. And like, once they get them sort of in proximity to the team, they clearly can't help, but write them as sympathetic. If Astra hadn't ended up spending so much time with the team, maybe she still would have ended up being the big bad. But, like, they clearly started writing her more and being like, oh, and that's good. I truly appreciate that this is the kind of show with writers who, the longer they spend sort of looking at a character's tragic past and backstory, rather than just going, well, they need to die anyway, or they need to be the villain anyway, because we need to have a villain, and, like, motion equals death or whatever. They're just going to have Astra, like, recognize that Astra isn't the way she is because of like only the way she is because of the environment she grew up in so they give her a good environment and they're like well here you go now you have to do your best to make the most of it and like she does and in real life it's unfortunately not really usually that easy but that's what tv shows are for and so I appreciate that this is the kind of show where they are willing to course correct not just go actually no never mind she's just gonna be the villain anyway because we don't like we don't feel like making a new villain or whatever and they're willing to be like no we're gonna do a thing about how like she's better than the place she was raised in and stuff like that and we're just gonna keep vibing well, that's with that. why i think it's so interesting that charlie gave her the really fancy expensive upbringing yes I, was, I will appreciate where it's like, listen, we've ragged on the show deservedly for being racist a lot. And I literally said, like I was watching and I was, I literally said out loud to my, I was like, oh, I see. Because they weren't watching with me, just listening to me live. Like, I was like, oh, I see what they're doing. Haha, ha, it's very funny that you guys are like, we're going to make our non-white characters the nobility and the 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 uptown girl, Abby. Um, and we're going to have the white characters be wait staff. And I'm like, sure, that fixes everything you did with Jax. Racism over. <laughs> Solved. Like, wow. Gosh, wow. <laughs> oh, God. I'm gonna say this. I thought Matt playing Matt playing um, a butler and Astra being a like a noble woman where I'm just like But Matt oh. playing that butler who was like ashamed of having magic was yes, I'm like that, really really good. Good. that was a delight. Like good. I'm like, I actually am like, okay, can I I'm using that character concept for a novel at some point. I love the shit out of that. Like it was such a fun and do not steal. And Ryan did not steal. But I like that is such an interesting take on like Constantine's character. Like, I mean, to the point where it's not even really him, but like that, whatever. It's it's such an AU that it like clearly doesn't matter. And I'm like, I just love the shit out of it. It is such a fun idea. It's you know, it's it's like this clever little build of bit of world building that I'm like, they clearly he only did on accident don't plan to run with but that's fine because i'm like oh i like what's going on here i can work with this but um i also am a huge sucker for that kind of like loyal like retainer and like that that like butler you know like lady romance and i'm just like oh what's the vibe what's what's the vibe what are we no, doing we haven't gotten there's a lot of phil what's the vibe oh, we that we're gonna need to get into literally actually just Actually, speaking of, are we ready? Have we discussed? Because, like, I think we, I'm glad that we actually talked about Charlie and everything first. But if you guys want to talk a little bit more about, like, the actual shows they did and how they did them. And, like, because there's, there's a lot of Phil What's the Vibe that needs to go around. 
Um, I was just going to say, uh, I think it's interesting the choices they made with the characters who got to have really strong character beats this episode. Because yeah. John and Astra get to really like you know, deal with what happened and why Astra was held in hell in the first place. And Astra's growth from the sorority episode to this episode is highlighted. And then also the magic thing I think is interesting because Scott's time is also bisexual. There's a lot of level yeah. going on. And then you add the joke about sorry, not being in the closet. Yeah, I was going to say, the fact that they immediately shoved Zarya in a closet, and they were like, she's not in the closet. Like, the fact that Nate shoves her into the closet, and they're like, she's not in the closet. I think I literally said out loud, what's the vibe? Because, like, I'm like, am I a joke to you? Okay, my Phil, what's the vibe? There were were two others. Hold on. One of them, because I want to list them in chronological order. The number one, the first one was um, Zarya in the closet, obviously. Yes. Um... The second one, it was a good one. Um, right. All right. This one was a little bit. So Nate and Zari are like making out and they're really making out. Like this is not light friendship. This is like, this wow. is the real shit. Um, also, I was kind of thinking, so you know what they say that like actors who have kissing scenes, if they tongue each other, it means they're actually dating or something. I don't know if that's true or not, but... It seems ridiculous for a lot of reasons. But I was on tongue watch. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, yes, you always kind of want to be on tongue watch, but I'm just like... I have been on Grant Gustin tongue watch from day one. I just would I, bite it. I'm like, at this point, I would give her... I would, like, she should bite it off, and I will cover, like, I'm like, I I, I personally support Ken. <laughs> I think I think she should be allowed that. At this point, I'm like, after everything she's put up with, when this show is over, she should get to commit at least one felony. Like, just oh personally. And just, like, it's got one felony. Let, let, I, I honestly think a felony um, against... First of all, if you committed a felony against Danielle Panabaker, it's not a real crime. Not a felony. <laughs> it's a public service. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Really, um, I think Candace should get to choose to murder one co-star or showrunner of her choice. A hundred percent. Like, I think, I think that's more than fair. Um, like, it is truly, um, the whole thing with the friends thing is like, okay. Wait, 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 wait. I have to get to my what's the vibe. And we have to, because what's the vibe has to be in order. And so they're really making out. And Bayrod is like, so wait, this Zari is like me and has all of my experiences. And he's watching her and Nate make out. And I'm like, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Oh, Brain, but how are we going to get 18 turtles here in the middle of the night? Thank you. Which is, I feel like Bayrod was just looking at that like, wait, should I be doing that? Yeah, I mean, truly, like, he's like, should, should, should I be involved in this somehow? I feel like I, I, me being here feels like I should be involved in this. Like, cause he does, is it Bayrod or Nate that says, you know, I love the both of you? Or I'm like, okay, that's the vibe. I can't remember. I didn't actually even pick up on that line. Yes, because it was either him or Nate that says to like, to like the three of them, out of the three of them, either Bayrod or Nate said. I to both Zaris. So I thought, I, I, again, this was because I was like, 
sound off. I thought he meant like Nate and Zari because it was like the way the conversation, I would have to go back and rewatch it. But the way the conversation was going, because she was like talking about Nate to him and he was like, wait, whoa, whoa, I love the both of you. Like in the context of they were realizing that like Bayrod was like switched in like because of the time jump or something. Yeah. I thought he said to her and Nate, I love both of you. I'm like, okay. But what, what about are we the time break? What, are we, what about the time break? But like also, I mean, it wouldn't be out of the question, excuse me, question. The show has had Nate and Ray say I love you to each other. And even though, like, at the even to the very end, I was I was baited to my last breath. But like, it's not out of the Girl. question, but it did definitely make me go, what's the fucking vibe? No homo. Um homo. And, and with my last breath, I say homo. No homo. <laughs> um was okay, so was one of your what's the vibes? Um uh John and Astra singing a knockoff version of Turn It Off. No, that wasn't a vibe. Um, I mean, it, it is a vibe, but it isn't a vibe. It was a vibe. Well, it was a vibe in the way where, like, that was the point where they were they literally holding hands and singing about repressing their feelings to each other. That couple. So much that like, was happening. That was the, that was definitely happening, and I was like, "Well, okay." And then, like that scene later where he was like, "We'll just stay like this together forever. It's fine. This is the most I. This is the least I can do for you is to like literally serve you." Live as your butler, like, and you're, like, valet in waiting or some shit, and just, like, let you be happy forever. And, like, again, coupled with those, like, those two, one of them alone might have been only mild, what's the vibe? But both of them in combination are so profoundly, what's the fucking vibe? Because, like, there's no, it's not 100% out of the question that he's not her dad, is the thing. Like, that's we the don't, thing, though, but I thought when he was going to convince when he was going to have his big confession, I thought that's when he would tell her, I'm your dad. I know, we were totally talking about it, and I, I get you, but my my thing is, I'm like, if they're gonna do, if they don't do it, like, if we don't see Natalie next episode, and she doesn't say, oh my god, you didn't know, like, you're her you're her father, or vice versa, like, that's your father, and, like, to Astra, or vice versa, um, then I'm gonna assume it's just, like, a coincidence, but, like, it is something where I'm like, we still have a shot if we see Natalie for real next episode, so it's not out of the question and it's just ambiguous enough or there's just enough room for interpretation where I'm like, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we fucking doing? Answer Sorry, me. Hold on. I, just found a, I just found a Screen Rant article that's talking about John Marston and Abigail's relationship and I know it's going to make oh. me want to pluck out my own eyes. So I'm just oh. going to go back to that later. Oof, um, yeah. Oof, oof my, what's, my final what's the vibe was, of course, them all coming back to the human realm and Nate immediately flinging himself into Mick's arms. Immediately. Was really Unquestioningly. Yeah, like, just, like, flinging, like, he, like, like they were, like, running across each and, like, meeting each other on the beach. Like, just standing there, like, dang it. I don't want to deal with this right now. <laughs> I I Mick, Mick put, tired. Put, everybody, put Mick back in the Kubrick. Yeah, can, Mick, can Mick please go back in the Kubrick? Not enough. I think it would be interesting if they did the John as Astra's dad thing, because I feel like that's a little bit too on the nose. It's one of those things where it's like, I don't, I don't, I, I appreciate them having the deeply problematic relationship they have now. And it's like, if you make him her dad, that's going to like, that's going to be the, the, the retroactive Luke and Leia uncomfortableness where it's like, please don't, please don't do that. I but mean, like, I feel like. It's so enough. And this show is so fucking dumb and melodramatic where I'm like, they might. Do it. Yeah, because they definitely traffic in some soap opera tropes. I 
just 100%. personally have always just seen him as being like, I super screwed up, but I just want this little, like, I think he views Astra still as the young girl. He got hundred percent. But that, and I think that's why it gives me the vibes of, wait, he might be her secret dad. If only, and again, if it was just like, it's all these little things at once. Like the fact that he was in love with Natalie, um, I, which oof, like the fact that he was in love with natalie the fact that he tried to save natalie's life and couldn't and like the fact and let's like yeah on one level it's clearly just like this child he failed but and i'm gonna play devil's advocate here just for a little bit in a good like mm-hmm. in a good way where i'm like a lot of Mick's arc this season has been about him trying and failing to be good enough for lita and like if we're gonna do one arc about a dad and then we're gonna have another secret arc about a dad learning how to be better i'm like this does that's that is just melodramatic but has enough tidbits and evidence where i'm like if they don't do it you can sort of dismiss all the stuff as like coincidence of other narratives sort of just happening but if they do it they've been putting enough like small things in to make it fairly plausible a couple of parallels like there which is interesting i think i don't know if i'd want it but it just might right like going off of that natalie not having her memories is really interesting because behrad does so like why do only the legends their memories because mona doesn't get their memories i'm going to wait hold on i want a devil devil devil's advocate go for it i think that was i actually think natalie might have been more aware than we realize because what she said to astra was very telling of someone who's like, I see you now, I see you're okay, and that's all Natalie wanted. That's fair. Like, trying to think- be like, if I tell you that I remember, you're never gonna leave and you should probably go. That's it was it was fair. really, it was her saying like, I, I can't let you go and I never have, but now that you're here, you can let me go. Which would be very interesting. Um, I also have to say that, like, it's that thing where Bayrod might remember because of his, I mean, if we want to really, I mean, one, because he needs to, narrative convenience, and two, because, I mean, you could also argue that Charlie was fond enough of him that she, like, went back and made sure that it was, like, she wove his narrative in extra tight kind of thing. It's like, Natalie was never on the team, and Bayrod might have died, but he was on the team for long enough for Charlie to have a much clearer image of him. And he so, was not that- only on the team, he was killed by Atropos. And even though he and Charlie only hooked up like once, and like, yeah, he was flirting with Astra, he's clearly like a little in love with Charlie, and she's very yeah. aware of that. Okay. Where I'm like, wow, I can't believe Bayrod and Astra are going to fight for Charlie's love next season. Finally. Okay. Finally. Well, me. <laughs> Unfortunately, Bernhardt's character, too, as we've talked about at length, has not been fully developed, which is why it's yeah, exciting. They, that he'll they be did here. that thing again where I was like, motherfucker. Like, it was like he was back, and I was glad he was back. They were, I even think there was like a jokey aside to how he was like, not like how he's like, oh, and that's like, I, that's too much for me, and I'm like a stoner or whatever. And I'm like, okay, get it. Go. I mean, Ultimate Buds literally was, I was like, I didn't register it was a weed joke until I saw it. And then I was like, oh, of course. It's like, why would I have not immediately? I'm like, maybe oh, that is also, you know Listen, I, know my, I know my legal name is 42069. But maybe everything doesn't have to be a weed joke. 
literally that fucking comic that like that fucking comic on tumblr i saw once where there was like this this person standing in a spencer's and like the the, the cashiers are like covered in like weed paraphernalia and like, they're like gee i wonder if they smoke weed and like that's the fucking vibe i'm getting i'm standing the in the spencer's literally house. just that vine of the kid in the skate park with the weed socks and him going you smoke <laughs> weed and the kid going yeah <laughs> which incidentally is, is every skater i went to high school with Oh, oh, truly. Like, I mean, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I guess it's not out of the question because there are totally some stoners where it's like, that's the entirety of their personality that they smoke weed. But like, this also- is a television show. Bayrod is the only man of color we've had in a season. It's a thing where it's like he, okay, I get it. You want him to be comedy relief. Like, he can't just be that thing can't not have noticed you've been doing more with your characters when you let them all sort of take turns being what a narrative needs where it's like the heart role doesn't have to just be raised or like the leader can be more than one person given the episode and like you have to extend that same knowledge and nuance to Bayrod and if you can't I there's a reason for that it sucks and he deserves better and he really cute and earnest and goofy and endearing and I like him a lot and I really wish they'd play up the earnestly goofy kind of romantic angle especially because he has like this doomed fucking Mayfly December romance thing going on with Charlie and it's like come on it's right there it would just require I'm not saying I like Bayrod and Charlie because she's oh at least 6,000 years older than him I'm just saying it doesn't hurt it is it's like it's a good had it with Nate and Amaya and they knocked it out of the fucking like it was like a great it was so I was genuinely like cried when she left because it was sad it was a heart rending and you just Mm -hmm. feel for them and I'm like you could do that with Bayrod and Charlie but you fucking won't and there is a reason can I also just mention there were so many no there is a reason it's as I mentioned earlier when we were talking about how this show is we have to talk about how this show is shitty to characters of color and then divide it. Like, how are they shitty to men? How are they shitty to women? It's uh, yeah. it's, it's a fucking thesis. Um, There's a lot of layers happening on this day. But the big there. thing is, as I mentioned earlier, the only time we've seen two characters of color romantically involved are Bayrod and Charlie and that one time Jack flirted with Kendra. That's it. That's it. Bayrod and Charlie was to see. It'll be interesting to see what happens if we both if we get both Zaris next season and Charlie's around and just the ways that all of that might manifest because John's uh, took the words right out of my mouth when Behrad's like where's my Zari was really really good. Um, John as the butler with the tarot card was like very appealing to me. I know we said that him as like super magic butler was like adorable and like kind of sexy, a little weirded out by smooth Matt Ryan of course, but the that concept was, really was sexy. <laughs> I mean, that is the dilemma with this cast. They all have the ability to be very smooth, and it just throws us off because, uh, sorry, oh, one yes, I that. wanna, you know, I noticed when Nick was the um, Gromulan that he had, or at least in a behind the scenes photo, he had chest hair. And I was like, has Nate not been shirtless in that long? Oh my God. <laughs> It's so shocking because I'm like, I'm surprised he didn't have a shirt off at any point during the Dionysus episode. I assumed he did. I just felt like in my heart he did, and I guess he didn't. I mean, we got him in a toga for about 10 seconds. It's because Dionysus had his shirt off. And I know what you're thinking. Well, when Nate sees another man with his shirt off, doesn't he automatically take his shirt off? Yes, it was out of character. Was out of character. (laughs) It was out of character, and I will be calling my lawyers. Um, (laughs) I actually, here's the thing. I actually wanted to have a little fun with this, and I was going to, 
ask everybody, um, I think we've got time to go around and say like a show they would have put the legends in and which legends oh wait do we want to do what show you would put the legends in which legends you would use and how you would do it or do you want to talk about star trek um <laughs> are we talking about star that, trek? that that's a good bit but let's save it for the ending let's do okay. star trek i think that that and a brief thing on the mr parker's neighborhood kind of thing is like i think most of what we need to do although oh right i cannot believe it's taking me this long to bring it up what the fuck it was so nice to have mona back can she go back to being a fucking regular again you bastard it's so nice to having mona back first of all the fact that zaya remembered that she was a team member second of all the fact that mona Wu was like you guys fucked up the timeline looks like it's up to me to fix everything again as always and i was like correct Mm -hmm. I was actually going to say real quickly, something I really appreciated about this episode, and unfortunately it does mean that Charlie had less time, but I really liked that we had all of our other characters and all of those randos really egging on the legends. They immediately were like, wait a second, something's off. We don't know what's happening, but we want these people to leave these shows. We want to see what's going on. Especially Lita and her mom being like, oh my God, they're going to get themselves canceled. Yes. It was very interesting in the way of like, Listen, especially right now, given what's happening, double, triple, extra, super chocolate fudge chunk rings really fucking hollow for a TV show to tell me get off your couch and do something. It's like, yeah. okay, but we both know that not like triple extra, like not like super, like I mean, truly, it's it's infuriating at the best of times. Right now, it's not the fucking time to be like, get off the couch and do something like yes okay i know that but like are maybe you... i would get off the couch and do something if last season during the salem episode zari didn't have that like listen i know these people think we're monsters but we can't be monsters which we're, just no being a monster is good actually me like okay writing is the only way to get something done a fuck civil society fuck the police fuck your enemies yeah. profoundly so don't tell me to get off the couch and do something. Then be mad we're looting a Target because Target deserves it. Honestly, fuck Target. Target. Like, okay. That being said, that was the thing that kind of, I appreciated that moment where they were, because like, again, big sucker for those kinds of moments in heroic fiction. Um, Any moment where it's like everyone's cheering them on and like the <laughs> wishes of the people and like the will of the people motivates the hero to fight or whatever. Like, yeah. That's right. That's good. Hell yeah. Man of the people, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's going to come back right. next episode where they literally have to convince people to be like, have to stop the fates and rise up against them. Well, it is a good one. It might be schlocky and it might be cheesy, but it's definitely going to be, I, I mean, okay, I don't want to say definitely because I don't want to jinx it, but I'm hoping it's <laughs> going to be better than the deeply unfortunate. If we just make people see that magical creatures are people too, they'll stop putting them in cages and then... Yeah. Yeah. Titled last season's finale, oh. Magneto was right. Yeah, yeah, that was I think a little too earnest because all the shows were trying to like do more with political commentary and failing miserably. But I think this season has been better and that it's been also been a little more subtle. It's also in a broader sense of like you deserve to make your own fate, and it's like yeah, you are not the kind of show where I don't want Phil Clemmer to, to cut the feed and just be sitting in his fucking living room with a sliding glass door <laughs> and saying to me, hey, you should go set a cop car on fire. Do it. Like, I don't need hey. that. Like, that's not this kind of show. Well, well I'm gonna, but not because you told me. I mean, yeah, you're not my mom, but it is something where it's like, 
can't show doing too hard and shit, but what if it was an overt metaphor is always going to look fucking bad. It's going to be double awful, like with like the magical creatures not being human, where it's like the more you remove this from the real problem, that still try to address the real problem in as earnest and cheesy tones as possible, the worse it's going to get. This is going to, I think, be a little more of like a screw destiny, write your own thing. Like, don't let people tell you what to do. And like, you know what? Fine, whatever. That'll do. That's fine. Um, right. I'll take it. But I am just so happy I'm Mona back. But on, a, on one level, like, Mona is the prime candidate to be like, hey, you know, you should write your own story. Like, you shouldn't get, like, she literally, the last time we saw her, she was writing the Rebecca Silver novels. Like, should be the one talking about how like you deserve to write your own story and all that crap like if you're gonna have those kind of like metaphors and stuff in you're gonna have those one-liners like into the character you made a writer god mm-hmm. just happy to have her back though love and miss her every day they also um when she was working with gary this episode it was actually really nice because they seem to have dropped or at least learned their lesson that like gary sort of having a crush on mona if he was gonna be weird about it was not okay um, but I will say this, this is actually deserves a huge mention. And again, one of those can't believe we didn't bring it up until now. Guess we were too busy trying to not process our trauma. Um, <laughs> this is really just legends and trauma, let's be real. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. Whatever. <laughs> when um, Adam is the one who has been doing Before Tomorrow which is the show where the writers will answer questions from Twitter about, like, things about the show. Ava Lance this, Ava Lance that, blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just like, can we talk about something else? Can, can we can talk? We, everywhere you look, there's an Ava Lance. Can we come up with something else? Can we come up with something else? Um, and so... They someone asked them what they were binging, and one of the writers, James Egan, said, I've been watching Never Have I Ever. And Adam immediately said, Starring our own Ramona Young. Mm-hmm. Very, you could that- just tell from his body language that he was like, Or were you not going to bring that up? Yes, where I was like, I want to say this, and I want to say it honestly. Gary Green is the greatest tell character that has ever been on television. <laughs> I never said that about Gary Green. Gary Green is my friend. Like, Adam Zekman is a hero and a master of the screen. I mean, I've never, he's always seemed, like, delightful, so I'm really glad he went to this. Like, it's like, okay, thank you for being literally, like, the only person to go for bat, to bat for Ramona in any way, shape, or form. Like, genuinely. And again, that's not really something we put on the actors of color, but Adam is white. And please don't come to me with the Jews aren't, like, first of all, yeah, like, if you want to talk to me about Jewish identity and you are Jewish, that's fine. But, like, I'm white Jewish. She's white Jewish. It's fucking fine. Just, yeah. what I'm going to let you have that one. I obviously can't add anything to it. But, like, truly. Where it's, you like, think I'm Brandon great. asked Phil to fire Adam because he's a demon and Phil said no? Oh my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This, this joke is just too good. It's just too funny to me. Because like because the thing is, is because like we met Brandon and Brandon is like the sweetest. Brandon is like gets upset, I think, at the idea that he like wouldn't like that someone would think he wouldn't like them. And so the fact that he's like the sweetest, most genuine person who may or may not have thrown a minor press tantrum. Um to the bad. Like, you know, he's an actor. And now we're him. like and we're just like, but you know, but you know how he's a violent anti-Semite. 
Jesus. As long as you're the one making the jokes, it's well, like no, because like like my B, my friends B and Izzy who are also Jewish, we've we've been we've been riffing on this a little bit Why for some time, about? and I think it's finally ready for production. I'm gonna give you the space to make those jokes. I'm gonna thumbs up. I'm gonna have a hearty chuckle on your behalf, and then I'm gonna go anyway. That was a great joke, Rachel made. How much else I can do? <laughs> Which is fine. We'll find, it's okay. We'll find. We'll we'll talk about other. We'll talk about other people that Brendan Routh hates. Um. So that was really nice. And with that being said, I bring us now to Star Trek. Um, who the hell? I mean, I really have never really seen old Star Trek. I know about it. I know the history of it. I have seen but, not the whole thing, but I have seen some of it, and I really just can get you're it. also hugely read up on it. Well, of course, this is so just, this is just you... frankly this is just queer history. I mean, knowing about like Star Trek, not literally Star Trek, but like Kirk and Spock and specific. I'm like that is actually an incredibly vital so, part. Of, like, so let me history. ask you something about Kirk and Spock. Is it true that they did want them to be in a relationship and, like, obviously couldn't? Or is that just something they started saying after the fact? That's one of those things where, like, it's more, it's not, it's not a Dumbledore is gay kind of thing. It's like, you can't, I think after a certain point, the acknowledgement was, like, they were clearly doing something that had a lot of meaning to it. And, like, the later canon has very much leaned into it in a way where they are all but saying, like, yeah, they were in love. Like, you don't get official... Well, yeah, I mean, we should really... The 60s one, I think, is so vitally important, but people who rightfully are like, well, how about in the modern ones, which came out in 2009, like, why did you not... The modern ones, I don't give a shit about the J.J. Abrams Star Trek, because personally, I think that the J.J. Abrams Star Trek... So fundamentally devoid of any moral core or meaning. And he's been open about this. Like he's been like, oh, I don't really know anything about Star Trek and I wasn't really trying to make any big statements. And it's like, why the fuck did you do Star Trek, you stupid fucking asshole? Like you little wormy fuck. Like I can't stand like he is the embodiment of everything that's shitty about entertainment nepotism and I despise really profoundly. And like to fuck with Star Trek like that, like like fuck you. Okay, I'm good. Sorry. Um, it's okay. It, take your time. It clear. It clearly struck a nerve with me where I was like, "This is a show where it's like it, it's it it is." It, there are a lot of parallels to Legends where it it's 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 earnest and it's trying and like what it's trying to do in the '60s is very different than what it's trying to do in like 2020. But like, you don't you don't get scenes like like William Shatner deliberately fucking up every other take so that they would have to use the interracial kiss like there's not you the only like, good thing William Shatner has ever done and that was except, it except for like I mean except for his lifelong friendship with Leonard Nimoy but like that's like other than that you're on thin fucking ice Will but it is truly one of those things where it's like don't do things like that if you don't care I mean, this is ignoring, you know, I've heard, I've heard stuff about Gene Roddenberry's personal life not being great women, and I can't weigh in on that because I don't know enough, but, like, if allegations came out, like, from women in his life, I believe them, of course. Like, regardless, like, this is sort of a thing where it's, like, just analyzing the show Star Trek and everything that came out of it is a lot of stuff sort of clearly leaned into 
comparisons of like you know like they 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 literally use the word the the, the Vulcan word for soulmates Kirk and Spock like I hit a point where it's like can't this isn't even funny anymore guys yes but it's that thing where it's like it would be because it is still a currently running like IP they can't literally be like Kirk and Spock are gay we're gonna write them romantically and all of our stuff going forward it's also like they don't really have to because it's like if you know you know you don't look at something like the way that they write Kirk and Spock I mean constantly this isn't even like a once every so often shipping bait. This isn't like a Destiel thing. This is the first three episodes of Star Trek have more like shipping material for Kirk and Spock than I've seen in entire fucking shows. Like it, you look at it and you're like, oh, this is what I see why everybody was about this. That why this was it. Why this was the thing people wrote about. Why this is the thing that became the catalyst for modern fandom. Because holy shit, you just have to watch it. It is so... It's not even something that you can really describe with just like reading episode transcripts. It comes down to how they act, like like how how you know William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy play the characters, the way that they interact with each other physically, the way that they like speak to each other. Like the 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 it, there's so much going on at every single level of that relationship. And like at this point, it's like no, no one has ever literally come out and been explicitly like they were gay, they were homosexuals in space, and like. Would that be nice? I mean, I guess, but it also doesn't matter because Star Trek is old enough that it's we're at the point where even though it's not literally in the public domain, it's one of those things that's old enough that people sort of make, like you own it collectively. At this point, the fandom is like Star Trek is ours. And that's right, and that's how it should be because this is how culture has always existed. Um, is People take stories and they make them and remake them their own and we feel like they belong to us because they do um so a lot of you know obviously outside of like shipping war stuff but that's just like normal petty fandom drama most people at this point are like very aware that it was implied and very aware that it was heavily like coded and aware that it was incredibly up for interpretation um, and deliberately so, and never actively discouraged, even if they could, and if anything, actively encouraged, even if they could Wait, never- Wait, but do you it. have proof that George, uh, that George Lucas sent letters to people to discontinue their fanzines? Yes, absolutely. No, that's like a matter of legal record. Yeah, he used to, and that's like Han and, and that's the thing is I'm like, and this is why Star Wars absolutely have a slash ship fic, like, bleh, slash ship fandom too. Like, Luke and Han had zines too. It's just that George Lucas is a huge fucking homophobe spent most of his time back when he still owned star wars just pestering these fans and like cease and desisting them a lot of luke's character in the extended universe was like making him as unfucking recognizable as possible and just trying to turn him into a conan the barbarian ripoff with a fucking lightsaber when it's like the original trilogy like luke is gay i don't know what to fucking tell you that's a gay autistic man like whatever shut up like i can't help you um it's that thing where it's like Star Trek is like that, but like Gene Roddenberry knew, and this is this is also another matter of historical record. Gene Roddenberry absolutely knew there was fiction, like fanfic going around and was totally cool with it. The difference is like they were aware of it at the time. This was done in like secret, quote unquote, but fan conventions did exist at the time. So like Gene Roddenberry knew there was slash fic, just kind of was like, okay, that's nice, you know, like and was like totally cool with it. And then later on, like people who got their start writing Kirk and Spock fanfic started like writing official star trek novelizations and like 
I don't know how much, like, it's like, it, you hit a point where it's like, how much more confirmation do it's like, and now I'm going to compare this to something a little more modern, but like the thing I remember back when Victor and Yuri had their first like kiss and Yuri on ice and a lot of the American fandom's response was like, well, I, are we sure? Because that's not really like, well, they don't, well, they didn't say I love you to each other, but most of the non, most of the Japanese fandom's response was, oh my God, they're in love. Because it's like, the, you know, it's like sometimes it doesn't have to be directly said. Like sometimes you do just kind of have to use your context clues here. Like and you just have to take it and go with it and know that no one's gonna stop you. Gene Roddenberry was not stopping anybody from shipping Kirk and Spock. Far from Although, it. Well, I will say Legends truly is, and and I want to talk about how you feel about them using. I mean, like, listen, the fact yeah, that um the fact that they were like uh Sarah and Ava are an established couple, unlike Kirk and Spock, who were friends with benefits. And I was like, that's not Ava Lance's fault. That's not Legend's fault. Whoever wrote this, I'm coming to your house and I'm going to skin you alive, allegedly. It's one um, of those things I'm like, I I'm thought I'm going to fucking kill you. I thought it was kind of, it was so unnecessary as a bit, too, because it was like genuine sweetness of making your canon couple, your canon sapphic couple being Kirk and Spock is like, you didn't have to make jokes about Kirk and Spock at their expense. Could have no, just and the like, show certainly didn't. I think the show actually did it in a really cute way where I was like, you know what? I think if Grandpa were still here, I think he would have actually been like, that's cute. I enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, because it is. I do appreciate it. It actually works. It's it's a fun parallel. It's a good it's a good example of what I think all of these shows parodies get right and do well when it comes to doing a parody, which is when you do a parody, you have to do it cannot just make it funny it can be funny but it has to still keep some of the tone of the original intact so the way that they jumped from the vid vibe of mr rogers neighborhood to star trek to doing a more you know like campy star trek stuff to a more dramatic romantic vibe with down abbey and i hate to say it and you know this is gonna physically kill me oh yeah mark guggenheim oh boy war criminal uh-huh. is the reason that it was shot like that because he said and like and this is a thing where i'm like maybe he's just an idiot savant maybe he just needs to direct maybe this has been the problem the entire well, time okay well the thing is stephen moffat too is back when he was just writing like blink and like other one the the fucking the, the gas mask one everybody was like holy shit he's a fucking genius he should be the one writing running the show which one of you had the monkey's paw. Like, truly profoundly, which one of you fuckers was holding on the monkey's paw when you said that? Um, Although, admittedly, like, his wife and his mother-in-law are apparently super high up in the BBC, so they might have been holding the monkey's paw. And also, again, nepotism and entertainment. Um, I I don't like the... I I mean, honestly, I don't like the idea that people work to keep the BBC running. (laughs) I don't like the idea... I thought you were going to say, I don't like the idea that Stephen Moffat is married, which, same. But, like... Mark Guggenheim said, I actually really wanted to shoot it like um, all of the shows that were shot, and I wanted to do practical effects instead of special effects. And I was like, fine. Oh, I hate it. You don't get to say, I wanted to do practical effects and not have me go, what time do you want me to come over and slap the shit out of you? You don't get, that's my wheelhouse, fucker. Get out. (laughs) Like, excuse me. I mean, there's a lot of things that that um, 
Mark Guggenheim needs to be slapped across the face for. I mean, it is truly interesting, though, that you say that. And I'm like, well, maybe if he's just, if he's not allowed to have any opinions on anything that isn't just the literal nuts oh and Oh my God, the way that he has been sucking up to Maisie in these interviews, where I'm like, good, 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 delicious. Especially because it is a thing where it's like, oh yeah, because you absolutely got ousted because you got, they got mad at you for like fucking over Laurel. So you're just like, I'll just be nice to this lady. And it's like, doesn't work like that, though. I love that photo of him with everybody who was in their, like, start. Oh, yeah, everybody who was on the set of the Mr. Rogers one, but Maisie and Dominic weren't in that. And I'm like, Maisie and Dominic not pictured with Mark Guggenheim because they're the only real ones. Oh, yeah. It was, like, it's truly that thing where, like, maybe if he just, if he just does, like, he just does the nuts and bolts Oh, he's also the one who said, he's like, I actually put the arrow joke in. If you can't laugh at yourself, who can you laugh at? And I'm like, I would have believed you had you not added that little last part. Yes. Where I'm like, if you had just been like, oh yeah, that was my idea. I would have been like, okay, fine. But if when he had to be like, if you can't laugh at yourself, I'm like, oh, okay, you didn't do that at all. Yeah, no, you didn't do that. You're going to say that you did that to save face and they're not going to, they're not going to correct And you're bald. So technically your whole head is your face. There's a lot of space that needs to be saved. You're going to save your entire bald face on this one. But I know that is the thing where I'm like, okay, if you, it's truly, and it's the thing where it's like, no, it doesn't like, this is just a brief aside. If you're a shitty person and you make good art. That doesn't, you don't like can't separate that like it's that thing where it's like but also like you are actively being held back from being a better creator if you're a shitty human being firmly believe this if you were is no matter how good you are you could be better if you were not a shitty human your work because i think all creative work requires a level of empathy and awareness and kindness that sort of springs naturally from empathy and awareness so it's like yeah you can shoot this really well but, like, if you don't think of the women acting in your show as people, you're inevitably going to show your ass the longer you have creative control. So in controlled doses, someone like Mark Guggenheim might do a good job. It doesn't, like, eventually he's going to show his ass because the problem is not that he doesn't know how to do things well. The problem is that he's a shitty human being. And that is just going to manifest itself one way or another. Incredibly put. You, I try. Think about um, this. I was actually also thinking when you were talking about parody, I think something that was also worth noting is that when these characters are playing, they're also, I feel like, acknowledging that these are tropes that were almost like invented. Like, we have to remember, TV is not that old. So these are tropes that were like invented by these shows for these shows and so for them to have Ava Lance's Kirk and Spock they're also very I thought really intelligently sort of acknowledging like that's kind of where their tropes come from that Sarah's kind of the dramatic if um if a little you know trigger happy captain and Ava tries to be I'm like yeah because when you boil them down to their basic elements you get this that's not a bad thing. I appreciate if Which anything. I think, I no, I think it's a. I think that was great. I think that was really intelligent. I think it was genuinely you great. No, I hate yeah. calling the show intelligent. Yes, I hate calling the show intelligent. But it's important to know your history. That's like Kirk and Spock is part of the same history that sort of results in something like Ava Lance. Like it doesn't come from nowhere. 
Um, they really, and it's part of the reason it works so well is not only because the tone of the parody was very well was very well done, but also because the characters were doing roles that felt appropriate. Like that's part of it too, and this is just because I like doing like fanfic AU's and stuff. Um, that's a good thing, but like having the characters that you're taking from canon and putting in the AU's fit the roles well is also important, which is why I'm like, I don't really know what to say about the friends part because like, I didn't, I'm gay. So I don't really care about friends. And let me tell you my only experience with friends. Okay. And that is that my childhood best friend, Laura loved, loved friends um, growing up. Now I think what year did friends end? Cause this is important to the story. 2000, 2000. I don't actually know, but I remember like, was definitely before 2010. 2004. Okay. Now, picture it. I'm in middle school. Um, so I'm about the same height I am now. <laughs> but much, much, much uh, skinnier because I hadn't hit puberty yet. I was tiny. Tiny. I was tiny. Like I look at old photos of myself and it's actually something that I'm actually very pleased with that I don't look at old photos of myself and go like, oh my God, I was so thin. Why am I thin anymore? That I actually look at old photos of myself and I'm like, oh, I wasn't even matured yet. That is a child with a child's body. Um, that's nice for me anyway. I, we're, we're at the choir concert. Now my choir was um, deeply, my school choir had a huge shakeup in the, it, it was deeply, it's deeply cursed for reasons that are, I think would be very triggering for people um, that did not affect me personally, um, but did affect. And so I'm going to just say choir, the uh, uh, cursed shit happened there. But the night of the choir concert was the same night as the friends finale. And you know, that school concerts never run on a decent schedule. And Never. so, like, everyone was like, so, um, Sahara, were you in choir ever? I was in choir, actually, and the year that I quit was after we won all of our competitions at sweepstakes. So you were there when they won, or you were there, you quit nothing? I was there when they won, it was great, and then I got sick during honor choir tryouts, so I didn't make it. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay, I just did art instead. So you guys remember, like, you're locked essentially in a classroom until they bring you to the auditorium stage. Yeah. That thing okay. happens all the time. Um, also, if you ever do like dance recitals, same thing. Because normally you end up performing them at wherever the local school is. I was in a dance, but yeah, I know how it works. Um, and so we're all sort of lined up in the hallway. And of course the concert's being delayed because it's a school concert. And... <laughs> There were so many people who, I'm like, I don't remember a lot about my childhood. Um, and I can only, I can't even remember this girl's name, but I can remember her face when she said, oh my God, are we going to miss friends? <laughs> the emotion of it. So. And like, I, mean, I hope she, and like, let's keep in mind in 2004, I was 12. So hopefully right. she's better now. Hopefully, hopefully she's gotten better. But I like, do think, I do, I, that, I, I feel that ardent desperation. I've been there. I feel like if, I've watched some friends, 
maybe on accident. And it's one of those things where I always expect it to be funnier than it is. I think I want it to be funnier than it is. Because actually the cast and when they do stuff, especially the guys, are like pretty talented and like pretty funny. Right. But the show itself where I'm like, I mean, I guess this could be funny. Yeah. If just, I tried. Like, because it's like you don't it's comedy of like it's comedy about people like I just I saw a half of an episode once while I was waiting you know it was on like a like in a lobby and I was like all of these people are so fucking mean and it's like I just don't I don't think it's funny when people who are supposed to be like the best of friends and are consistent are like treated like they're like great people are like huge assholes in the narrative and that's like that's not that's not funny to me friends? It's platonic like, and sometimes not platonic. Oh, please. Makes sense though. It's like the only I will say, only thing I appreciate about watching it is I watched it and I was like, oh, this is what they're doing on Always Sunny. Yeah. Like I didn't really have an understanding of what Always Sunny was doing when I was like first aware of it as a show and before I watched it. Then I started watching it and I was like, oh, this is actually really funny and very smart and they're very deliberate in a way that makes a lot of the terrible things that they're doing in the show make sense in the context where it's like these are not good people you're supposed to emulate this is genuinely like the joke is that they're horrible people friends obsessed we wanted the apartment we wanted the haircut etc etc nobody has ever been like how to dress like your favorite character on it's always sunny (laughs) in philadelphia (laughs) first off well that's i mean it is but it is like is it is it does make me sort of appreciate the show in a different light because it's like oh i understand the joke you guys are doing where it's like not only are you just writing like very just very good comedy in a way that's like punching up um or at the very least not punching down or being shitty um mm-hmm. also on top of that i'm like oh i get what you're going where it's like it only it, it's it, it, you it's understand the pattern it's it's it, it's it's important to view things in that context that still doesn't make me like like friends so it's harder because it's like i can say they did a good job with like the sets where i'm like i actually anything they did a better job it was harder to film mr parker's neighborhood in a way that would attract with the way that mr rogers neighborhood would fi- was filmed because this was stuff that was being shot in like the 60s on like on camera you got maybe one trucking shot if you were lucky it was a lot of flat shots of like mr rogers and then um it was literally just fred rogers in a dream yeah it was fred rogers it was a lot of flat shots of mr rogers and then just a lot of like shots of the miniatures in the land of make-believe and that's like a whole that filming non filming like miniature sets and things like that is a whole other kettle of fish completely so like at I filmed it a little more dynamically than the actual Mr. Rogers neighborhood would have been filmed, but I also don't mind because they in, they also then said, "Okay, we're going to film this and it's going to look like Pee Wee's Playhouse." And that was a really good middle I think ground. I could have gone like, more Pee Wee with it. I I didn't mind it because they clearly were Here's going thing, for though, more. We had this set. We paid for this set. We already made it, really, and we're gonna fucking we use it. Lot. We because I remember because this is I was explaining this. I think to, I don't remember who it was. It was telling me. Yeah, but I was like, I was genuinely like, because I was explaining, because they were like, okay, how the fuck? Because I was like, oh, this isn't the first time they've been in the Mr. Rogers Neighborhood universe. And then they were like, okay, how the fuck? And I was like, all right, let me go back and explain like, like three seasons worth of plot to you, and I'll tell you how we got here. 
Um, which okay, for a show so there are these there are these stones, right? And each one has a specific power. The it infinity is- stone, when someone, I think Charlie said, I'm shutting down this crossover. And I was like, Maisie is the only person who has ever had rights. Yes, but it was truly like that thing of, um, hold on. Was that thing of like, they were clearly going for more Mr. Rogers Neighborhood vibe. So I appreciate that they didn't lean too hard into like more of like, a, I don't, I hate parodies of kid shows that are all like mean and acerbic. And the joke is that it's a bunch of like cute kid things that are just saying fuck. And it's like, Did that's not really have funny. no mental illnesses. He was a deranged. No, 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 no known mental illnesses. Oh, oh like that. But he like had that. Schizophrenia. <laughs> But he will be found. <laughs> but, that, but the thing is, is like the sack lunch bunch actually works and is really funny because it's not the joke isn't that all of these kids are swearing or anything like that. The joke is like, yeah, some of this stuff is kind of like weird or like upsetting or adult. But like most of the time, it's the adults doing the adult stuff and the kids just going like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And like, there's my clearly- favorite thing. My favorite thing about that is when um. They were talking about the little girl who had her fear of clowns, and she was like, you're not going to bring out a clown's costume, are you? And he's like, no, of course not. We're not a licensed psychotherapist. <laughs> yes, where I'm like, no, like, stuff like that. It was good. And, like, there were clearly, there was, like, an intent to have some clearly, like, human themes there, too, where it's, like, a lot of the cut-ins are, like, all of the kids and the adults on the show talking about their greatest fears and, like, what scares them and, like, mm-hmm. what to deal with, how dealing with fear is what makes you an adult. And I was like, that's actually really like it's obviously a little more of a nuanced complex theme but that fits the kid show vibe of and we're going to have a lesson today for you like it wasn't done in a mean-spirited way so it worked really well as a parody and like this was that where it's like you didn't do a perfect one-to-one reconstruction of the mr rogers neighborhood set but filming like that would i think literally just be more difficult because it's like if you have like you would have to go get camera equipment from 50 years ago and they did a good enough shot they couldn't they did a good enough job capturing the tone and the vibe that i'm cool with it up until it turned in but even when they had it take like a dark turn it wasn't like an ironic twisted like kid shows or act it's not like actually all of the rugrats are dead kind of thing it was like <laughs> it, was just, it was just a fucking rendition of turn it off like that's so interesting because that was literally like okay charlie just like okay so i'm not a songwriter so sue me it was really fun um uh, there was a look that john gave the mr parker where i'm like oh you know you know who you're looking at and she knows yes where sometimes i'm like you know what i do like john and astro but i'm so shocked that they didn't go for john and charlie and we'll have to see what happens with two zaris and uh, Charlie next season. I'm, yes, where I'm like, I appreciate that the show is throwing itself into more and more contorted love bokehadrons, where it's like, you know, John having this crush on Zari. But also, um, the writers in Before Tomorrow actually talked about how this is like some kind of quantum triangle or something that they've done with Zari and Nate and Constantine. Yes, which I do appreciate, but also Charlie is there. Are and we ins- oh, yeah, exactly. Are we insufferable because we insist on pronouncing it the way it was intended as Constantine and not the way the show pronounces it as Constantine? I, I, well, first off, I can't not do it because Alan Moore uh, will put a hex on me. And also because I, and yes, that I do. That explains a lot about the show, actually. That explains a lot about the show. But like, it is. <laughs> <Get him. laughs> 
like it is something where i mean not because i remember because i was like just getting into vertigo comics when the constantine movie came out and i remember it being such a bone of contention for like a lot of people who were like big vertigo comics fans that they were pronouncing it wrong and so i was like oh shit my bad and then i just kept doing it like it was like i i i remember all this fuss back from the keanu reeves version of it um that just kind of got carried over and point if we don't have Matt Ryan and Keanu Reeves as Constantine's makeup. I I feel like, here's the thing, is Keanu's too expensive, but I would love, I mean, I do think the, I mean, I think a lot of people got too hung up on the mispronunciation to appreciate a good movie. I, you know, looking back, and I'm like, Keanu Reeves is actually a really fun choice. I've Uh seen that cast, and like, that cast is sexy, and I don't need, I clearly, I watched Jesse's Legends of Tomorrow. I clearly don't need anything else. Yeah, like I don't. Yeah, like clearly, I'm not gonna pick a bone with them over the, the 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 inaccurate pronunciation because like whatever. But I do need to go rewatch it like with that in mind because he's actually really good at it. We can never afford him, but it would be so much fun if we had like 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 two Constantines at some point and one of them was Keanu. It would be so fucking cool. Um, maybe Keanu is like Billy Zane and his charity work. Yeah, I mean, hey, listen, uh, really swell dude. Apparently, donated like a ton of his salary to, uh, on the Matrix to like the VFX department. So like. Clearly, he does. He he loves charity, and I can't think of anything more charitable. <laughs> oh, right. I do want to mention really quickly when Bayrod said, "Charlie, you can't blue pill us." I was like, "Ironic that you're talking to Charlie about the blue pill when the Matrix is trans." The Matrix. I was actually going to say that earlier. I completely forgot. No, <laughs> okay. The Matrix is the Matrix is a trans story written by like trans women, and incidentally, um, the two of you both saw that thing where like Lily Lily Wachowski re- replied, "We're like, oh yeah, I've been yeah. Fuck all of you. And it's like, thank you. Holy shit. Yeah. Because the only the only reason that social media was created was so we could have that moment specifically where I was like, thank you. Holy it's shit. Done. Pack it up. It's done. Like we did it. We did we're good. We can go. We can all leave. Um you're free. Free. But it was, I actually, you know what? We bring that up and I'm like, I wouldn't even I know Bayrod called this blue pilling. I wouldn't even it's so funny that I wouldn't call this the Matrix because it's like the legends aren't being, the legends are directly not being harmed. It's like the Matrix for everybody else, but not for the legends. Right. They're like, yeah, they're being kept in an alternate reality, but like they're not, like they're, they're they, they really are being kept safe by being kept in that Charlie, alternate reality. So this is so interesting. And um, I think this is possibly the last show show point we'll make. And then we'll go into our fun spinoff ideas. Um, because I'm really concerned Ari and I are going to have the exact same idea. What? Um, so what we need is, first of all, we needed Charlie picking up that microphone going, first of all, the the Matrix is a trans film by trans women. So put that in your little hat. Um, so write that down in your little notebook. And second of all, I don't understand why everybody is mad at me when all I did was make you cool and sexy on TV. There's a lot, because this season has started, especially 5B has started leaning so hard into Greek myth, I'm like, I, Hades Town is popular enough that I know they're riffing on it a little bit. That's really interesting to me because this entire time I've kind of been like, oh, well, you could be this character. Oh my God, I just hit a dog with my horse. Oh my God. A fucking, uh, I have to turn myself into God. Who is here? I have to go to God's house and turn myself in. Oh my god. Oh my god. Uh, I think the dog is actually fine, so. That's good. Thank god. The dog, um, should be, 
that was was this the, when Astro we talked about Astro being a dog should be puppies forever, right? We did talk about that last week and how it's like, oh, you're yeah, sorry. Okay. I needed to make sure. Sorry. So there's just so much parallel between the idea that Hades has in Hades Town, where he's like, obviously Hades Town is about like capitalism. Yes, but I don't think legends. As as our friend Marie once said, if you're not a fucking, um, if you're not a, like, 30s-based uh, Great Depression criticism, musical criticism of capitalism, then why even bother? And I couldn't agree more. Um, Charlie, there's just a lot of similarities in the... They expand on this a lot more. So the original album that N.A. Mitchell put together with a few of her friends is like one of my OG comfort albums. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot that they expanded on that I'm not even sure she was thinking about when she wrote the original album. But there's a lot they expand on in the musical itself, which is the only musical I will ever listen to or attend. Um, where... You learn pretty early on, like the whole crux of the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice is that he's gonna think that he's being tricked and he's gonna turn around. Okay. But they set up in the beginning that Hades is essentially Hades and Orpheus are, the, it's a foil. It's about the foil. And that Hades is a very doubtful person because his wife isn't there half of the year. And so he's doing all of this because he thinks it's going to make her feel better or make her happier or make him happier. But it's like the more money I have, the better, the more likely she is to stay next time, right? Right. And that's so, I mean, honestly, Hades is, in, it's just incredible. Man kills adult teen baby instead of just talking to his fucking wife. Um... <laughs> inspiring this man's story of how to ruin your own fucking marriage i mean <laughs> hades is truly a scientist baffled by man's ability to fuck up every time every time um but in fairness hades has been doing this for a lot like has been thrust into having to be in charge of hades town i mean that's his it's literally his they've been doing this for a lot longer than charlie's been back with her sisters but it's the same idea where she's like, I hate this, you know, in the in the chant song that they do. And she's like, I hate this. This sucks ass. And he's like, well, I did it for you. And she's like, I don't want it. Yeah, like, okay, you can do it for me. But like, I, you know, it's that thing of like, especially like, especially in terms of like, giving someone a gift they don't want never ends well. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, and in terms of, like, obviously Charlie isn't abusive, but that's a big thing in, like, abuse is, like, yep. someone giving you a ton of things you don't ask for, specifically so they can hold hold it over your head later. Where it's, like, Charlie wasn't doing that, but that's more, like, the Hades vibe, obviously. Um, Area, like, Scientist My favorite take on Hades Town is that Laura Olympus is is the prequel to Hades Town, and that right now they really love each other, but give them a few more thousand years, and they're going to be the Hades and Persephone in Hades Town who have started to hate each other. Well, I mean, this is also the thing of like, we want to go into that. Is it possible? Like, we can't, we can't conceive of living for a thousand years. Yeah, we just don't. 
it's that thing of like I think we write those stories about it inevitably souring because it's like we can't we cannot ourselves conceive of being alive that long living that long and having those lives so it's almost like you could argue that it's like sour grapes of humanity sort of reckoning with the nature of its own mortality or whatever um Ew. I do I do think it's interesting that they they do tend to go that way where it's like the longer you live the more time you have to make mistakes and hurt people um that's interesting and they're just like Charlie this isn't what you're supposed to be doing and she's like okay I'm going to kidnap an adult teen baby. And everyone is like, no, 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 no. Yeah. No, no. Oh. Try again. I'm not comparing that to Charlie. Charlie. I'm saying I was, I, Charlie, yeah. I don't think it's hurting anyone, but I'm just like, I think that's kind of why those stories, those narratives tend to go that way. It's actually we can't think more of- implied in the musical that he, I think, has some kind of affair with Eurydice, basically out of spite. And when Persephone calls him on it, he essentially goes, well, she means nothing to me. And she's like, I know. And she's not even that bothered by it. Where it's just like, they're so old and they've been doing this for so long that like... You don't really care. Like, this girl literally died because of the offer you gave her. And you don't care. Like, ultimately, you're like, this was just something I did to get back at you. And like, no, that's not who Charlie is, but... I think we have to think about that a little oh, bit more point, when, with Immortals. At this point, we're just talking about Hayes and Persephone. But that's also interesting in the context of, yes. And we're all going to listen to it. It's not even necessarily the context of, like, they've been together for so long that they hate each other. But they've been together so long that there's no one else. It's like all of these things really are inconsequential. They don't care if they have a fit. They don't care about things like this because they know that no one, like, it's it's just the two of them. It's actually kind of reminds, I mean, sort of similar, like the, like Pearl and Rose, like that was the vibe of like, her human boyfriends don't matter because like we've been together for thousands of years. So like one idiot with a guitar isn't going to change anything. And like, it's going to, you know, and that's that sort of, when you live that long, you end up liking each other, but you also know that you only have each other. And that's kind of the vibe. Hold on. I have to praise this cat. Thank you. The game doesn't like you pet cats like you pet dogs, but you can praise them. That is that is kind of a letdown, but that's, you know. John Marston cannot pick up a cat and fucking try to love it while it scratches his goddamn eyes out. Oh, so I feel like cats probably don't like John much now. I mean, I'm literally I'm literally just thinking about the fact that like the whole thing that Hades does is like he comes to Eurydice and he calls her songbird and what Charlie makes all the legends do to send them back to their universe is sing a song. Yes. I don't understand why everyone is yelling at me when all I did was make stuff that was awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's not Charlie at all. Charlie is not Eobard Thawne who would be like, first of all, yes. I improved it. Eobard and Doomworld, like, first of all, I don't understand why everyone's mad when all I did was make things sexy. This is the fun, this is the fun difference, is, like, this is the fundamental difference, even, but also the fun difference, is, like, who controls what happens? Like, power does not corrupt. Power reveals. And when Charlie has this power, he doesn't, doesn't ha- she's not doing it under the greatest, mo- like, mindset with the, with the, like, she's in panic abuse kid mode. She's doing it and concern for the legends and it is a power she has that she tries her best not to harm them with 
even if fundamentally it's not a power that she should have over them. Like Eobard doesn't do that. So that I think is is like same thing is happening, but the reason we're having different outcomes is because two very different kinds of people are in charge of the situation right now. Um, I actually want to just briefly, so CVR actually had this article that was like, Charlie actually just, you know, Charlie is a huge hero and she made a mistake that like Oliver and Barry, she's like Oliver and Barry because they always are like, I think this is what's best for everyone. Um, and they have to grapple with like this. I mean, Mark Guggenheim called us some kind of like heroism God complex. And I'm like, well, I'm glad that you're not writing Charlie because you don't fucking understand her at all. On the one hand, I'm like, this is completely stupid because when Oliver and Barry do this shit, people die. And Charlie actively brought people back to life and let them go. Um, but on the other hand, I was like, the fact that CBR is comparing Charlie to the two biggest white heroes in the DCTV universe. In and of itself, interesting. Was yeah, huge. I was like, that is like, and I also being like, Charlie is a major, and like the fact that they weren't even being like, oh, she did this. They're like, she's so clearly like a classic hero, like the Flash and Green Arrow, that she has the same issues. Almost like they were saying it was essentially putting her on par with Sarah as the lead of the show, which I thought was, I mean, even though you're wrong, fascinating. Which I do appreciate a lot, but I will also say, and here's the fundamental difference, is that Charlie is only making these kind of decisions because um, there is a, like, her, her abusive family is basically putting a metaphorical gun to her head and Barry and yeah. Oliver are just making those decisions because they're dumb fucking white men who believe that they're always right about everything. She's still doing better. I mean, honestly, Charlie could do whatever and I'd be like, yes, you earned it. I'd be like how... I mean, Charlie, but that's the thing. Charlie, even if Charlie did it, sh sh my one character I'm like that for is Richard Gecko, where I'm like, everyone's like, he murdered people. And I'm like, yes, he did. Because he's my baby. Um, so from there, let's go into our, okay, what show would you do? You can have everybody. You can just have a feeble. You can have some people come in. Some people go, um, current Current legends and legends who are on the show but are no longer on the show are welcome. What is the parody you would do? And how would you, like, give me a five-minute spec script. I wish I could do that on the spot. I'm not that smart or cool. But honestly, my first thought was just being, like, Constantine is back in a show. <laughs> but if, like, the legends take on his that show. would be fucking incredible. It's just like Constantine and Zari and Charlie. Well, I guess Charlie can't be in it technically, but whatever. I said she can, so it's fine. And I'm just like imagining like the procedural aspect of it because Legends isn't a procedural and it's procedural is a genre I'm always in. So my first thought was that or like BBC masterpiece mystery like Agatha Christie, which is almost like an Abbey, but they're all stuck at a, they're all stuck in John's house and they have to solve the murder of somebody. I don't know who though. Maybe one of the original if that was, If that's an episode next season, I'm charging. I'm for real going to charge them because that would be a really smart thing and it would save them a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. They did. Well, because I always think of that really good episode during um, Penn's run on Doctor Who with the unicorn and the wasp, which was like, when no, on the airplane? no, that's midnight. Um, and Merlin is there. Yes. Um, BBC <laughs> has three actors. Two of them are Arthur Darville. Okay, uh, now that we're done making the same joke again. Um, 
the the unicorn and the wasp was just an episode where the doctor and donna end up like meeting agatha christie and like solving an agatha christie themed murder that was committed by a giant alien wasp because he was in love with like somebody so obviously it was a little off the rails but like in a good way um could vibe with that but now this is a dc's legends of tomorrow podcast (laughs) truly it is something where it's like i want like that that was such a fun like classic who vibe like that's the kind of if they did a murder mystery kind of thing that's the vibe i want maybe um, is also there i don't know well did you have anything did you did you have one or um that is here's the thing is mostly i just watch cartoons so this is one of those things where i'm like um i mean if they have the money i if we're this is going to sort of more be an AU than anything, but I've made jokes before about how like this show was effectively just like a American common writer. And I kind of want to see them put their money where their mouth is on that. It would require having Zari and Bayrod being like the stars of the show because they're the ones with the totems and the totems are the closest thing. Like the henshin items that we get in this show where it's like, if anyone would be writers, it would be Zari and Bayrod and everybody else would be like the supporting cast. So that would be really fucking cool. And if we just redid the, like, it would just be like same cast of characters or whatever, but the plot would just be retooled to put Zari and Bayrod and then like Amaya as maybe like the mentor figure. Like, oh, like, I don't know. We see past Amaya. Zari like, has to go into the totem. If Zari 1.0 has to go into the totem again, I hope Amaya's there. Um, like, I, I want her, like, I would love for Amaya to just show up and be like, hey. I'm actually in here and you'll be with me forever so that Zari can be, Zari's like, I'm so sad that I have to go back. And then Amaya's like, I'm actually here. And Zari literally just shoving every legend out of the way at once. Later, nerds. <laughs> Bye, losers. See you fucking a never. Yeah, it's truly, like, I would love to see it done. Like, you wouldn't really even, it wouldn't even be a completely different show. It would just be the same characters, but sort of retooled a little bit to make Zari and Bayrod more like writers than, um like members of a superhero team um and then it would be more focused i think on the totem bearers and like maybe you would even have something more akin to like the season where they all get the totems that would just be the whole show and then that would just be them fighting monsters and stuff with their totems it'd be cool with that that sounds okay so mine are really fucking out there i guess if we want to talk about cartoons, there was something very over the garden wall about this whole thing to me. But I was yeah. like, if they were going to have done over the garden wall, it would have had to be animated. Yes, I agree. We spent $500,000 on rotoscoping Dominic Purcell performing the Highwayman song. Oh my gosh. Oh wow, it's 11 p.m. Okay. Um, so there was that and the fact that the, the pilgrim, the we're not from around here, you're a pilgrim thing just struck out to me. And then the other one was just the newsroom, because I can turn anything into a newsroom AU. Just just fucking give me two minutes, and you will have a newsroom AU. More than fair. Which was going to be, I was going to make Sarah and Ava probably Will and Mac, just because they're the main couple. Not because I think they're super similar to them, but I could see them having that tension had Sarah done something. Or, like, honestly, Ava, because Mac is the one who cheated when everybody thinks Will would have. So having that with Ava and Sarah in a newsroom AU would be really interesting because, like, they forgive each other. It's fine. They get over it. Yeah. But mostly they just do the news. And Aaron Sorkin tries to tell me about the internet. Like, shut up, Aaron. I know. Like, given the context of everything that BuzzFeed News has been doing recently, it's like... Boy. 
Uh, oh, well. Those things. are my two. Um, I guess, yeah, we should really wrap this up. This was a long one. Um, we are going to be doing a live um, like we have for the past where I'm on Twitch and we're going to probably do it like live call-in radio. Like, a, like you're listening to a show on the radio. I might be on video. It depends. Um, after the finale, but we don't have a set date for that yet, so we will have that out to you as soon as possible. Um, and again, donate. For it, please donate. Money. Okay. Night. Um. Good night. Okay.